Hello and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We're glad that you can uh, you could be with us today. And uh, just before we begin, we're going to see if we can adjust. There we go. That's it. That should be a little bit better. We'll. We um, unfortunately were having difficulties with uh, Facebook this week, and we had to um, reset all of our browser settings. We had to clear our cache and so on. And as a result, um, the uh, StreamYards, our streaming software, is uh, has forgotten all of our settings because of course they're, they're stored locally in the browser. In any case, welcome. Um, technical issues aside, we're glad that you could join us. If it's your first time, then welcome. We're happy that uh, you have joined us today. And we are at once heartened that you have joined us today, even as we are simultaneously uh, feeling a little disheartened by the number of individuals that we have been in contact with quite recently, some as recently as this week, some as recently as yesterday, telling us and sharing with us the spiritual scams that they have either fallen victim to or were being tempted to fall into. And because as a result of this, we felt it was imperative that we dedicate today to this topic. Because suffice it to say, far too many, far too many, <clears throat> are naive. They just don't understand. They don't want to understand. They don't want to hear it. The reality of the situation. And 
we don't want to come across as spreading fear or anxiety or negativity or because that's the first place that those who don't want to face the truth that's the first place they run to that's their catch-all reaction that's their their way of dismissing the hard facts about the path about the journey of awakening and self-realization about this game this virtual reality this mmorpg that was created for the very purpose of becoming awake of self-realizing of defeating our adversary we have mentioned chess often because chess is the perfect allegory of this game that we play. White Lodge, Black Lodge, you know, whatever terminology you want to use, light, dark, whatever terminology you want to use, it doesn't matter the terminology. And we have often said, because just was it yesterday just yesterday or this morning we were accused of being luciferian for worshiping the light and someone said to us the brighter the light the darker the shadow it casts and you're a complete luciferian and blah 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 and then boom we were dismissed We respond to this individual. We're we're beyond the Tao. That's where we're coming from. We know that when you play chess, your adversary is your opponent, but not your enemy. Your opponent in chess is there to make you stronger, to make you better. And they can only do that if on the board their pieces are ruthless if on the board their pieces are relentless heartless soulless Many people don't want to hear that. Many people don't want to hear about Black Lodge. Many people don't want to hear about traps and negativity and anything else, especially light workers and star seeds and indigo children and new agers. And you just have to raise your vibration. And I'm awake already. And we're all gods already. And this, that, and the other thing. And they say, I'm just going to be positive, And I don't want to hear your fear. And I don't want to hear your negativity. And, and so on and so forth. They don't want to accept that it's a game. And they don't want to accept that in a game, you must have an opponent. There must be an opposition. Otherwise, there is no game and there is no point. What's more is there is no way to progress. Zero. Zero. 
There is no way to develop. There is no way to achieve. There's the only way we can achieve is by overcoming something, by overcoming the obstacles between us and that which we achieve. That's why it's called an achievement. If you roll out of bed in the morning and gravity drops you to the floor, this is not an achievement. This is a mechanical act of the physical laws of nature. And yet, there are literally millions of individuals who believe that this humanity is hurtling towards a mass global awakening. And there are countless people who have reported to us through their experiences. Well, I just, I awoke, I awoke spontaneously. I wasn't even trying to awake. I didn't even know what I was doing. All of a sudden, one day I just awoke and I've been awake ever since. And these magical things happen to me and this and that. And I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not, I'm not aspiring to do anything. It's just naturally happening. I'm awakening. And everybody's going to awaken that way. And everybody is awakening that way. These people have been scammed. What's more, they're scamming themselves. And they don't know it. Goethe said the most uh, how do you say the most enslaved individuals are the ones who believe themselves to be free. But more to the point of today's subject. Let's share with you this, this uh, quote from Samael Anwayor. The black magicians of the Black Lodge struggle, struggle to swerve initiates off the path. This is why it is necessary, urgent, that the devotees defend themselves from the attacks of the tenebrous ones. Thus, it is urgent to learn how to do so. We must chant these mantras with all our soul. We must chant them with profound emotion. This is how we defend ourselves from the tenebrous ones. This quote introduces the Defense for Spiritual Warfare course on Glorian.org. And this course is all about teaching us prayers and mantras of protection. And we can go over a couple of them today, but this is a course that anyone who is serious about the path needs to avail themselves to the information 
that is presented in this free online course. And all of the lectures uh, outline in detail the various different mantras and prayers that are recommended and why they're recommended and why they are effective, what they mean, what their purpose is, and so that when you use them, when you pray them, you can understand, you can comprehend what it is you are saying and why you are saying it. Because praying mechanically, automatically, uh, will not have the same effect. You can't, you can't just rhyme off these prayers like rote memorization and expect them to have any efficacy in terms of protecting you, protecting your space from negative entities, from negative influences. And what do we mean by that? There are so many kinds of obstacles. There are so many ways that the Black Lodge gets to us. And each and every time, each and every methodology they have is some form of scam, some form of temptation. Just as an example, if we uh, remember where it was, yes, it's here. And um, that's not what we want to do. Hang on a second. Let's, let's, uh, okay. So we're not going to watch this video or anything. This is part of the, this is part of the secret, which is still going on, which is still a thing. Oh, now, of course, here, we're just going to remove ourselves for a moment. Look at this title down here. Dr. Joe Dispenza, this is how I manifest anything I want. It's like magic. Now, I wish we could show you the thumbnail for this video. But unfortunately, we can't enlarge it. When you enlarge it, it starts to play the video it, 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 and it eliminates the thumbnail. But on the thumbnail... It's Joe Dispenza with two angel wings. And he says, this is my surprise gift to you. This is my surprise gift to you. I'm going to teach you how I manifest anything I, anything I want every time. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds like this is a, a warm... Uh, caring individual who has your best interests at heart and that they have this surprise gift that they're going to give to you, that they're going to teach you this knowledge, how they manifest their desires and they can get whatever they want every time, every time. Sounds good.
nothing is for free in this universe. Nothing is without its cost. And you cannot feed desire and expect to overcome the causes of suffering. You can't keep feeding your ego on the path to awakening and expect to awaken as anything other than a black magician or a demon. Awakening in and through the ego. Why? Because that's what you've been feeding. And what have you been feeding it? You've been feeding it what it wants. But, but what it wants is your sexual energy. The desire, the thing you want, or the thing you think you want, what you are made to want, is a temptation. Why? So you put effort and energy, you focus your awareness, your concentration, and you expend sexual energy, creative energy, in order to get that thing. And as you do all of that, that ego feeds on you. And it proliferates inside of you. It's exploiting your consciousness. And it's feeding on the very sexual force, the very sexual energy that you are using in order to acquire or manifest or achieve that which the ego has implanted in your mind and in your heart and in your body as an object of desire. And the whole time it's done this, it has done it in the first person. I want this. I want that. I need this. If I had this, I could do A, B, C, D, and, F, and all of these thoughts and narratives and stories that appear in the mind in the first person, I, 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 it's a scam. It's a scam. And naturally, we, we are made to want these things so badly. And we have all of these rationalizations presented to us in our mind as to why we need that and why we deserve that and how we've earned that. And so-and-so has it, and such-and-such such had it. Why don't, why, why don't I deserve it? I'm better than they are. I'm, I'm, I'm a better person than they are, and they have these things. Why don't I have these things? None of this, none of this is coming from your being. None of this is coming from your true self. All of this is machinations of the ego. All of this is trickery. All of this is con artistry. All of this is part of that, that scam that your own egos play on you, on all of us. All of us suffer from this in one form or another. And the further along we are in the path, the more subtle and clever and insidious the egos are that are playing these tricks on us, inside of us. And naturally, as within, so without. If this is what the Black Lodge is doing inside our psychology, naturally this is reflected in the world. And what's more, there are movements, there are 
countless books. There are new age gurus. There are videos, films, entire courses, lecture series, uh, associations, organizations, worldwide, global, um, um, again, movements, cults, all dedicated to, for example, manifesting your desires, becoming a secretarian, I believe that's how they call themselves, or secret, yeah, secretarian, I think that's what they call themselves. All those people who abide by the secret and they idolize and worship individuals like Dr. Joe Dispenza because they all want that power. They all want that, that, that secret that the global elite have had and for thousands of years and how they control and rule the world. Well, why don't I deserve that? I'm a good person. I'm on the path. Why don't I deserve to have that power? Why do only the, 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 you know, the Black Lodge have that power? The secret cabal ruling the world. Why do you think it's set up that way? It's set up that way precisely to stimulate your envy. Precisely to stimulate your fear. If you know that expression FOMO, fear of missing out. And fear is the, de- is the desire to control and control outcomes. It's also the desire for comfort and security, which we have expressed very often. You've heard that from us many times. And so you may have been contacted by someone from or someone claiming to be from the Illuminati. We were. Not only were we contacted by someone claiming to be from the Illuminati, a very good friend of ours on the other side of the world recently was contacted by someone claiming to be a grandmaster of the Illuminati. Now, that friend of ours, she is, how can one say this? She has been through uh, a lot. And she suffered a lot um, at the hands of nefarious individuals and we are not at liberty to discuss any details. However, as a result of this, she is very strong. And she, she still lives with fear of some things. The fear is still with her. But that fear has more or less been in her cornered into one sort of specific aspect. So she really doesn't fear anyone or anything anymore. And so when she was contacted by someone claiming to be from the Grandmaster of Illuminati, she said, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. And she wasn't sure why this person was contacting her. She was, she was, she wanted to know, was I targeted? Was this, 
was this uh like why me why i'm nothing i'm no one i'm just you know i'm not doing anything i'm i'm no threat to anyone i'm doing nothing special why would they want me right so she so she began inquiring she she had a bit of a dialogue going with this individual and she got to the point where this individual sent her a spell a recipe several different ingredients and um, she said, you know, this individual said to her, you know, acquire these ingredients. And she shared that ingredients list with us. And we looked at that ingredients list and immediately we knew just from some of the ingredients and what they were called that this individual claiming to be a grandmaster of the Illuminati had sent her the ingredients he had not sent her the spell yet, but he sent her the, the 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 list of ingredients that she would need to essentially uh, invoke a a a, a jinn. an evil spirit of either the fourth dimension or or the astral plane. The term jinn is one used by the Sufis, for instance. And in Sufism, they will say that there are good jinn and there are bad jinn. So jinn is a, is a catch-all phrase uh, describing entities of the supernal worlds. There's positive entities and there's negative entities. Uh, that's, and they're all jinn, according to uh, Sufism. And indeed, so they would put you know, seraphim and angels sort, sort of in the ballpark <clears throat> or in the category of jinn or these like positive entities, positive spirits. And it's possible because we don't really know, we haven't studied Sufism to that degree to understand their understanding of jinn. It is possible that they also include the elementals of nature in that <clears throat> in that category and the elementals of nature can be very playful and they can sometimes be like tricksters and because they're like children and they like to play and they like to play games and they like to be you know and so on so so there's an aspect of that but there are also downright negative entities like for example there are uh, astral larvae that's what we refer to it in gnosis and those are um incubi and succubi they're the ones that like to feed on our sexual energy. But it is also possible, again, not being that well-versed in Sufism and not having studied Sufism for years, it is also possible that jinn are also, uh, that lesser demons and and other entities also fall under this this umbrella term jinn now jinn is where we get the term genie so <clears throat> from that tradition comes this terminology and this duality that that there are there are good jinn and bad jinn positive and negative entities and this individual 
claiming to be a grandmaster of the Illuminati, sent my friend the ingredients to be able to invoke one of these entities. Why? Why do you suppose they would want to give her the ability to do something like that? If not for that entity, to possess her. How else do you think that the Black Lodge recruits people? Or perhaps they were going about it in a more subtle way. And once you invoke a jinn, and that jinn is at your beck and call, and you can use that jinn to spy on other people or to possess other people or to wreak havoc on others' lives. Now you might be working with a negative entity as, as you're familiar. Well, congratulations, you've now entered into the world of black magic. Being that we are not experts in black magic, we cannot claim to be a black magician. And we, when we do not claim to know everything and all the tricks and all the scams that the Black Lodge use to, to hook people and ensnare people and enslave people, we do know this. They are out there and they are actively recruiting. And what that means, what we mean by actively recruiting, it's not that they don't have enough people on their side. They've got plenty. They've got armies and armies and armies. So when they recruit and they seek seekers and light workers and indigo babies and new agers and all these naive individuals, who have come here, many of them, from other planets, and they're coming through their natural process of awakening to be able to become part of the army of world salvation, which is why they came here and why they, re they incarnated here, to help humanity, but laid out for them were all of these traps for them to fall into, all of these false paths of awakening and false awakenings for them to fall into and get stuck in, which we talked about several um, lectures ago. We talked about the Great Awakening. And again, we're going to be talking about all of this in our book as well. But every time the Black Lodge recruits or possesses or, or gets somebody on the path to fall for their scam, they're turning someone. They're, they're getting someone derailed from their path. That's their job. That's their job. And when we say that's their job, that's their programming. That's what they were programmed to do. 
and we we cannot afford to be naive <clears throat> Truly, we can't. Why wouldn't you know it? Oh, there it is. No, it's not there. There it is. Well, we we're trying to find uh, an image to share with you. So let's see if we can. Let's work with this one since. OK, all right, we'll work with that one. This, as you may know, This, as you may uh, may recognize, is the T-800 from the Terminator film. I'm, we're going to quote now from that film. When Kyle Reese first encounters Sarah Connor and saves her from Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. And he and she's absolutely terrified and and he's got her in the car and they're driving and they're 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 racing away and the Terminator is in pursuit. He says to her, "Listen and understand. That Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity." or remorse, or fear, and it absolutely will not stop, ever, until you are dead. This obviously is not what egos and demons look like. But this is a visual metaphor, a visual embodiment of how they behave, how they function. And that quote from the Terminator spells it out. And the Terminator is not just out there, the Terminator is in here. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop ever until your path and my path is dead. Until we are among the walking dead. Like all those zombified people in the world who are sleepwalking. 
This is what the Black Lodge looks like, really and truly. This is what you have to keep in mind. This is, after all, mechanicity. Mechanicity is the absence of soul. Mechanicity is the absence of love. It is pure reactionary. It is pure, it's based entirely on the dialectic, on ones and zeros, on or off. A machine cannot feel. It cannot feel pity. It cannot feel remorse. A machine cannot be bargained with. You cannot go into a factory and bargain with the gears. You cannot bargain with the operating system on your computer. It can't be done. That mechanical entity must fulfill its program. It's all that it can do. A toaster toasts bread. A blender blends things. A hammer hammers things. Period. End of story. A clock tells time. You open up a clock and you see all the gears and and, and all the spring and everything doing its thing. That's what it does. That is what it does. That's all it does. But the Black Lodge is programmed to twist, tempt, corrupt, obstruct, and make fall all that is good and pure and of the light. Its program is to steal sexual energy. Its program is to hijack consciousness and hypnotize consciousness. And it is programmed to do so as the Terminator is programmed to do what it does. In anticipation or preparation for this live stream, we made the following meme and we posted it. You may have, uh, you may have seen it, perhaps not. We're going to make it bigger here. We have shared this before. And while we have this on screen, we're going to just quickly take a couple comments here. So you can maybe absorb this as uh, we're just taking a few comments. As Azza says, more dangerous as well. Um, he says, we were once given ingredients too in the internal world to take part of the Sabbath, which we did not have at the time. So it is wise not to share her shopping list. 
And uh, Hermes Trist says, uh, great to be back watching your videos are on point as always. Uh, thank you, Hermes Trist. Uh, nice to nice to have you back. Um, all we wanted to do with this <clears throat> particular uh, meme is show the congruency. As, as above, so below, as within, so without. And the only where the only reason why malware exists, well, you know, computer viruses, for example, and what do they do? Right? They hijack system resources. They exploit system resources to replicate themselves and to dominate machines and to dominate ne uh, networks. That's what they do. That's what malware does. It takes control of system resources and it exploits system resources to be able to dominate networks and every node on the network, every system, every computer wants to take control of all of it, wants to dominate it, wants to infect and infest. And when we say it wants to, it just means that it's executing its programming which is to do that. It's, it's programmed to do that. So that's all it knows. It can't, it's not that it, that's what desire is, is it that that's what it needs to do. That's what it wants to do. That's all it knows. So fear, for example, fears. Lust, lusts. Uh, envy, envies. This is psychological malware. It's what we call psychological aggregates. And just as malware infects computers and networks, psychological aggregates infect the human machine. Our heart, our mind, and our body. And as in microcosm, so in macrocosm, we have this, these entities that are called corporations and they are legally, they are persons under the law. That's very interesting. The corporations are treated like individuals. And you look at the way corporations behave in the world, well, what do they do? They exploit natural and human resources. To do what? To proliferate and to dominate markets. They spread themselves. They spread by attrition. They spread by acquisition. They spread through franchising. They spread through, you know, opening uh, branch offices and branch operations in every country around the world or every region around your country, they spread like a virus, like a plague, like a mold, like cancer, like weeds, like any parasite. Why should corporations behave the way they do? Because it's the only way corporations can behave because that is the way they've been designed. 
That is the way corporations have been programmed. They've been, they've been programmed on a profit-loss binary operating system, exactly the way malware exists on a binary programming language, exactly the way that egos exist on the binary dialectic. Yes or no, me or you, us or them, good or bad. And anytime you have a binary dialectic, anytime anything can be reduced down to this or that, you have at the core a mechanical phenomenon. It can never, ever know the truth. And it can never, ever love. It can never, ever know have any qualities that require, at the bare minimum, a trinary paradigm of existence. Three as one. The dialectic mind, the rational mind, um, and mechanicity is devoid of that trinary aspect of being. In mechanical nature and in mechanical systems, everything is binary. And they are at that level, trapped at that level, they behave in that binary way, like machines. And they have to fulfill their program. They, they can, it's, they have to do it. There's just nothing else they can do. Again, a toaster, you know, can't go off to seek its fame and fortune. It's a toaster. <laughs> it's going to sit on the counter until someone puts bread in it and presses down on the button. And then it's going to say, oh, okay. And it's going to go into activity. Why? Because it's a machine and somebody turned it on. Someone put bread into it and someone gave it power. Boom. Now it can fulfill its purpose. It can toast bread. It can be a toaster. That might seem silly to you to, to speak of things in that way. And yet, this is what humanity, this is how you, this is, this is what rules humanity. This is what controls humanity and rules humanity in the Kali Yuga, right here. This is self-evident. This is unavoidable fact. Even the rational mind can't look at this and say, oh, that's just coincidence, or you're just uh, making connections that don't exist. A rational mind doing that is now irrational. It's now deliberately avoiding looking at the facts. Even, even the most basic of rational mind can, can do this sort of pattern recognition. It's this. All a T-800 is, all a Terminator is, is a fancy toaster. 
It's just a more complicated toaster. And instead of toasting bread, it toasts people. That's it. And the Black Lodge demons and all their little minions, like the other great allegory, of course, is the Matrix. And in the Matrix, they have uh, in the, the story, the lore of the Matrix, uh, humanity gave, gave birth to AI, and AI gave birth to a whole new race of beings that are all machines and programs. And we get to see some of these little machines scuttling about and, you know, doing things. And, you know, when you, when you go into the fields where, where all the, uh, the human bodies are being uh, grown and raised to, to, to um, be the uh, power source for, the, uh, for their AI overlords. And how the AI creates for them a matrix so that they can think that they're free and they think so they can think that they're awake and believe whatever they want to believe. Meanwhile, that matrix is what? It's an illusion. It's a temptation. It's a distraction for their consciousness. So the machines can do what? Exploit them for energy. Suck energy out of them so they can be the power source for this whole AI uh, uh, race of AI machines. Well, that is an even better, more fleshed out allegory for what we're talking about. And there are lots of little, you know, not just the programs that Neo and Trinity and Morpheus encounter in the Matrix, but there are lots of little machines doing you know, what they do, like the Sentinels, for example. The Sentinels are hunter-killers. They have one mission. They have one purpose. Search and destroy. That's what they do. And so in the Matrix, you see what mechanicity does and what its purpose is and what it will always do. It will always seek to enslave humanity to hypnotize its consciousness with all of these stories and narratives and distractions and all the stuff that in the matrix is allegorized as this matrix, which for us is the real world, but for what it really is, is our own psychology. That's what the, that's what the matrix really is. And that's what people get wrong when they analyze the matrix because they they watch the matrix literally literally they they watch the matrix literally and they say if the real world the so-called uh, what appears to be the real world in the matrix is our world then that's what the matrix really is. It's our world. We are living in this matrix. But all of this is an illusion, right? All of this real world is an illusion. It all exists inside of our mind. 
And it's all a creation of our own ego mind. And that's why all the, the global elite and, you know, the, all the conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff, that's all distraction because that all exists in our mind. That's all part of this matrix. But people think that somehow they can escape the matrix while remaining in the matrix. They think they have to liberate the matrix from the, the AI or, or, or I, how people interpret the matrix and how people apply the matrix to life is very, very uh, erroneous and twisted, and it's all just ego mind. Again, it's another, people falling for another scam, the scam of their own rational mind, interpreting things for them. So they believe they know what the matrix is about. They don't. They clearly don't. And we're not going to name any names about people who talk about the matrix being this and the matrix being that, meaning this and meaning that. We're not going to uh, uh, name any names. But most pundits and most people who talk about what the matrix is and what it means don't know what they are talking about. Because they almost all of them invariably want to blame forces outside of themselves. Who are they want to say that the matrix is created by something out there? <clears throat> and indeed, we can talk about there being black magicians and demons and entities out there, but remember that is a figure of speech, it's an expression because it's really all of it is in here, it's all in here. There is nothing out there, that's an illusion, that's Maya. That's a story that's being played out, and it's a projection of this humanity's subconscious, unconscious reality. This is the world that this humanity creates by virtue of the fact that this humanity has fallen, fallen for the scams of the Black Lodge. That's what the fall was in Lemuria when this humanity fell. And what did we fall for? We fell for the orgasm. We fell for lust. We fell for pleasure, for hedonism. And no one can deny, no one can deny that that is the dominant modality, methodology, by which the Black Lodge continues to scam this humanity. It's all about sex. It's always been about sex. Even Freud was onto this. But of course, he was using his rational mind to try to make sense of his intuition. And he ended up with his twisted version of psychology where men want to marry their uh you know um kill their fathers and marry their mothers like you know everyone every man has an oedipus complex and all this nonsense but sex is the root of the fallen psychology of this humanity because desire as the buddha pointed out desire is the root of all suffering 
is the cause of all suffering. I want this, I don't want that. Craving and aversion. That's the dialectic. That's the divide and conquer. What do you want and what do you don't want? Pleasure and pain. Everything is always, it's always like that with the Black Lodge. It's always divide and conquer. There's always two sides to every coin. It doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on. The ego's got you either way. It's a scam. And sex, sexual degeneration, sexual depravity is a modality that many sects and many cults and many groups use to exploit naive, unwitting members. They are uh, seduced in using any number of uh, promises, any number of narratives, any number of lies and deceptions. I mean, you can look to the sex cult of Osho in, in the United States in the late 70s. You can, it doesn't matter what sex cult you look at. Individuals are being uh, seduced and taken into these, these organizations and they're being exploited and they're being turned, they're being made into uh, one of them. This is, after all, what is allegorized in the, uh, in the vampire the vampire uh, symbolism and, and vampirism. We weren't uh, necessarily a huge fan of the vampire films, especially of the 90s, or say 80, maybe late 80s, 90s, um, you know, Anne Rice and whatnot, but Interview with a Vampire, at least showed in that one aspect when they went to France and they met the vampire that created Lestat, uh, Armand, and they, they met Armand and Armand's cult of vampires. So, the Black Lodge behaves in that way, like a cult of vampires. There are individuals that are at a level that makes them like chattel, that makes them, the only thing they're good for is to feed on, is to completely exploit. But then there are others, or at a higher level, that that cult, the vampires, want them 
to become one of them. And Armand wanted Louis because Louis embodied the age. And, and Armand lusted after Louis, desired Louis to be a companion to him because he was lost in more ancient times. So there's this, there's this allegory going on in, in Interview with a Vampire where you see the, that the Black Lodge targets certain individuals with different modus operandi, with different tactics, with different strategies in accordance with their level. So the average people, they are targeted with things like pornography, violence, uh, video games, sports, money, possessions, right? They are targeted with the most basic, simple things, uh, little like trinkets, like little baubles and trinkets that, you know, you would, they're, they're like the Black Lodge's version of the Pied Piper singing a simple song and all the children following the Pied Piper, right? How can we say this with, with absolute authority and certainty? Look at the world. Look at advertising. Look at the junk, the absolute ridiculous stupidity of fads, of fashion. Look at the absolute mental retardation at play in the world of what people spend money on, of what people think is important, what people are willing to fight over and even die over, the identifications and the, and the attachments. And look at the extent to which people will undergo plastic surgery or, or, or body sculpting or bodybuilding, that there are individuals who will consume uh, 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 performance-enhancing drugs, medications that they give to horses just so they can build their muscles and, and, and look a certain way or, 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 or have a certain speed or have a certain endurance so they can win this trophy and be this or be that. It's like, it's simple desire. It's just simple desire. Greed, envy, lust, fear, so desire for comfort and security and desire for control. Like this is, the masses are, are manipulated and fallen into the traps of the Black Lodge with the simplest things. The Black Lodge barely has to lift a finger. Because remember, mechanical nature being mechanical and under the laws of other mechanical uh, uh, laws of nature. So, for example, uh, the law of gravity. The law of gravity is mechanical. We call it a law. It's really the law of gravity is a, a descriptor, a description of what happens in mechanical nature when something falls. 
it is always easier to fall than it is to climb up. And so for the vast majority of people on this planet, they fall into the traps of the Black Lodge willy-nilly. Just look at all the people addicted to gambling or addicted to pornography or addicted to alcohol or drugs or the internet or video games or any number of things or food. Good Lord, how could we forget that? People who are addicted to sugar, to chocolate, to caffeine, on and on and on it goes. People who are addicted to power, people who are addicted to fame, people who are addicted to attention, right? Narcissists, pride. And we see that exploding now with the younger generations. All of that's a scam. All of that's part of the scam of the Black Lodge. How can anybody deny that that exists? Oh, I don't want to hear your, your fear. Um, uh, you're just promoting fear. And you're coming from a place of fear consciousness. And I don't want to hear your negativity. You're just spreading negativity. No, we're spreading the objective facts. How can you, how can people turn a blind eye? How can people in the new age or supposedly on the path look at, look at the world, see with their own eyes everything that's taking place and not comprehend and not accept how mechanical nature and how mechanicity, which is the, which is the Black Lodge, egos, the mechanical programming, the psychological malware, we can... We can keep describing it uh, any number of ways. How can people face the reality? And then turn a blind eye to it and say, no, 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 this, this humanity is on the verge of a mass global awakening. How can they do that? Because... They have been duped. They have been scammed. And that scam is the new age. That's what that scam is. In the same way that the de degenerated religions offer a very similar kind of scam, only using different terminology and different superstitions, different belief systems different rituals and they use congregations and they use organizations where the new age just uses um, uh, gurus and groups and you know very loose loosely connected uh, affiliations but they also use what they call intentional communities and other things to indoctrinate and get people to buy into that that cult of positivity so depending on our level of being depending on our level of awareness and depending on our naivete depending on a lot of things we will fall for traps we will fall for scams that are appropriate to our level. So when the Black Lodge meets 
individuals who are more advanced, the scams become more advanced. Quick comment here by uh, Azazel. He says, Let the Right One In is the only vampire movie that I've taken seriously. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Uh, generally speaking, we don't watch any horror movies, to be honest with you. We haven't even seen The Exorcist. Um, But the reason why we mentioned the Anne Rice film, uh, Interview with a Vampire, is because we were always haunted by that scene where uh, the character of Armand wants Louis to join his cult and be a, a part of his vampire cult. And something very similar happened to a couple who reached out to us and again we're trying to we we do not want to fall into the trap of gossip and we don't want to say anything that might expose anyone in this instance but this couple was approached independently and this couple they're together and they are on the path and we would say based on their abilities they are what we might call ahead of the game or at a higher level than what most people, certainly what the masses are at and what most so-called seekers and so-called people in the new age and whatnot are at, because those people fall for very simple scams. This couple fell for, or one half of this couple fell for a very, very elaborate scheme whereby they were seduced and that seduction was very much they were approached on the basis of friendship they were approached on the basis of um belonging they were approached on the basis of spirituality of advancing on the path this group approached one half of this couple telling them all of this information and all of this knowledge and saying if you just do if you just come with us and do this and do that and we're going to awaken your awaken you this way and awaken that way and you'll be able to do this and you but in other words promising all of these things that resonated with her being and what she really wanted, right? To awaken and self-realize. Long story short, this group got this individual to partake 
in some form of sexual uh, activity which was masquerading as sacred sexuality, spiritual sexuality, whatever they wanted to call it, but in secret was a form of degenerated black tantra, black magic. And the result was she is she is now possessed by an entity. At the same time this was going on, an individual appeared to her partner independently. They were now in different geographic locations. And, 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 and she was being seduced in that way. And that was being done to her. She, was, she fell for that seduction. At the same time, a woman showed up at the door of her partner. And that woman was claiming to be the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene. And then she was telling him, she was telling him that that he has all of these powers and that this is not and the other thing, and that he is, you know, and that he is uh, 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 the reincarnation of Jesus, or at the very least is a high-end master, and that you know she's the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene, and her job is to help uh, men who are here on the path to self-realize. And that she was called to come and like this is this is not coincidence. It's not coincidence that two individuals who have a great deal of clairvoyance and and have, you know, they were targeted by the Black Lodge. And one of them now is living with an entity inside of her, possessed, but possessed by a demon. Now, the man was able to repel the advances of this this woman claiming to be the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene come to help him awaken and self-realize and and again you can imagine what methodology a woman showing up on your doorstep is going to use is going to utilize what sort of seduction and what the outcome of that seduction, what it might lead to, and what you might end up with as a result. So again, earlier we were saying how sex is everything, desire is everything. And that's why we must not allow our longing for awakening and self-realization to be hijacked by our mystic pride and become a desire we desire to awaken. We desire to ascend. We desire powers. All of that. All of that is mystic pride. And that's why we created this meme about ascension. 
it is absolutely nonsensical, completely nonsensical for your ego to desire, to desire ascension, for your ego to desire awakening. The very notion that people in the new age walk around talking about 5D ascension and, and so on. They talk about ascending and I've already ascended and such and such. It's completely nonsensical. But that desire, if it exists, it's one of the ways that the Black Lodge gets to us. Because if, the, we, if we approach awakening and self-realization through the ego, we will awaken through the ego. Awakening and self-realization involves ego death. You can't simultaneously Eliminate your ego and feed your ego. You can't, you can't simultaneously exist and awaken as your ego and eliminate your ego simultaneously. This is impossible. This should be self-evident, but to many, it is not. And if you try to make it, you if you try to make them aware of this contradiction, this paradox. They have all sorts of slippery ways. Their rational mind have all sorts of slippery ways to weasel their way out of the paradox and, and weasel their way out of, you know, something as simple as cognitive dissonance, right? They will, they will rationalize and justify and they will convince themselves that no, 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 this guy is just, he's pushing his narrative of fear on us and his fear consciousness on us and this, that, and the other thing and so on and so forth. And, you know, whatever. The character in a video game does not leave the video game. Mario, at no point does Mario jump off the screen into the real world. Does not, cannot, will not ever, ever happen. Period. End of story. No discussion. Impossible. Impossible. The only individuals, if we can call them that, that have the capacity to take the physical body into the supernal worlds are already awake. Or they're already masters. That's an entirely different set of circumstances that's an entirely different story and even then right even then it's not the personality it's we're talking about the character now the physical body might be an aspect of the character the physical body can be taken into the supernal worlds can be dematerialized it can be taken into the the supernal worlds through very skilled use of powers like jinn state and masters are able to do that. Awakened humanities are able to do that through their metaphysical science. They can take physical objects 
and dematerialize them, put them into the fourth dimension. That's how they can. That's how UFOs can fly around, and they don't have to. They don't have to obey the laws of physics because there's no physicality anymore. But that's an entirely different thing when enlightened humanities and awakened masters are playing with physical reality and dematerializing it and taking it up into the, the, the supernal worlds. Why? Because the physical reality is an illusion and they know it's an illusion. Once you know physical reality is an illusion and you're no longer trapped in materialist science like our scientists are, if you want to talk about scams and scams of the Black Lodge, we could spend an entire three-hour session talking about just how materialist science has scammed this entire humanity because science is the number one religion of this humanity. Even those who follow religions can't help but fall into the scam of materialist science. And materialism and mechanicity, if you haven't made that connection yet, those two things are... Uh, they're synonymous. They're congruent. A machine is physical. It's a it's a physical phenomenon. It's a part of the it's a part of the material world. Machines, and even the software that runs, we can talk about. We can say how that software is immaterial because it's just. It's just ones and zeros and it's just electric currents. But really, those ones and zeros, we have to be honest here now, they don't exist in the ether. They're, they're, they are switches. They're switches. Tiny, tiny, nano-sized switches on things that we call silicon chips or memory chips or Blu-ray discs, or hard drives. Mag the, the magnetized positioning into the on or off position of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trillions of nodes, of, of, of switches going on and off, on and off, on and off. 8-bit, 16-bit, 32-bit, 64-bit, 128-bit. This is the lengths of switches in a row, ones and zeros in a row. How many bits, 128 bit, making up one byte? They're switches, they're mechanical, they're physical. The fact that electricity and magnetism are involved is, is, is irrelevant. If you had a different technology, you could have an army of little nano elves running around physically switching those switches on and off like the very first computer that was trying to crack the Enigma decoding machine, which was a gigantic mechanical monstrosity with like physical switches. And then, and then later we had, you know, the first IBM mainframes with the punch cards and all that kind of stuff. Switches, switches. That's all it is. It's just, it's just, a, it's just machinery. It's physical machinery. That's all it is.
anything that makes it seem otherwise or otherworldly or etheric or anything else, it's just smoke and mirrors. <clears throat> it's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. So when a master or an awakened being works with that illusion, they already know that physical reality is a illusion. And they are, you know, certainly masters, they're, 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 they're awake, their consciousness is awake, they are more conscious than they are bottled up in their ego. Then they are able to manipulate physical reality from that perspective in the same way that a programmer or, or someone uh, doing shadow puppetry, right, doesn't, isn't so insane as to think as to try to manipulate the shadows on the wall no they they manipulate their hands in front of the light right nobody is that insane when you're working on the computer and you want to make a change you're not that insane as to start taking a highlighter or a red pen and marking up the screen and marking all your changes on the screen no you're not an idiot you know that that screen and that image on the screen is an illusion. And how you need to edit that, how you need to make changes, is you have to go into this foundational code, which is which in this case is the, uh, um, you might say, electrons. Now, mind you, it's all switches like we just described, but regardless. In the same way, The masters of the White Lodge and supernal humanities, uh, uh, superior humanities, awakened humanities, they don't bother trying to manipulate physical reality with physical reality. What would be the point of that? That's why they're able to manipulate physical reality with things like sound. Because the vib vibration, and um, everything is vibration. Everything is frequency. And this physical reality is just an illusion of that. So if there's no physical reality, you can, you can essentially negate gravity. And you can neg negate mass simply by honing in on the frequency of the object and the related frequencies, the energies, the vibrations that are associated with that object. You can create using sound, a field, a vibration, which cancels out the other vibrations that would be pulling it down or holding it down, or that would be giving, or that would be giving it mass. So in the case of UFOs, they create this bubble, this field, and they dematerialize uh, the, the spaceship, the cosmic ship, they would dematerialize it, and then it no longer has to adhere to the laws of physics. Because it's no longer physical. But for somebody in our position, where we are asleep and we are trapped and we believe in this physical reality, and we believe that our personality can leave this physical reality, and exist in the supernal worlds, that's nonsensical. That's like a character from a video game 
or an MMORPG believing that it can jump off the screen and exist out here in the, uh, in the room. And you know that a character in a video game is being controlled. And if it's not being controlled by their player, their true self, the player, who's the one who turned on the game and went into the game in the first place and created that character and chose to be that character and to play the game that the character needs to play, if the character is not being controlled by their player, then what are they being controlled by? Well, they're being controlled by this. They're being controlled by, by this. So the very notion, the very idea of the new age that I can ascend is a scam. It's such an obvious scam. But it's not so obvious to those who fall for it. It's not so obvious for those who haven't met their innermost being and their divine mother in the astral plane. It's not obvious to those who have been mystics all their life and have been experiencing having spiritual mystical experiences and then having and then turning to new age gurus and the new age movement for explanations and answers and receiving all sorts of erroneous information telling them what they want to hear telling them things that resonate with their mystical experiences and and telling them things which corroborate and validate their own ego's interpretation of mystical experiences, i.e. mystic pride. We are confronted all the time, all the time by people who are trapped, who have been scammed, who have fallen for this or that trick of the Black Lodge. And It's, it breaks our heart to see so many losing the game, losing their way, losing themselves in the process. Even as they believe that they are making progress or that they are already free, or that they are already awake or enlightened, or what have you. It's, it's, it's at epidemic proportions. 
and of all the other problems facing this humanity, from where we stand, this is by far the greatest tragedy that that even those so-called star seeds and light workers those souls who have come here from other planets those souls who have come here from enlightened humanities and incarnate and reincarnated here they in that process they went through the forgetting and now many of them also have fallen into the traps set for them by the Black Lodge. And they're unable to awaken. They're unable to realize their potential and to fulfill their mission. They are trapped in a prison of their own mind because of the absolute insidious genius of these machines, of this AI that rule this humanity. These machines are so efficient at what they do, these egos. They are so good at exploitation. They're so good at what they do. They're so good at hypnotizing. They're so good at tempting and twisting and corrupting and seducing. It really is. It really is, you know, the reason why we're writing this book, you know, what in hell is with us? What in hell is with us? The Black Lodge is with us in hell. That's why we're in hell. And the other thing that's with us in hell is the Christ. And that's why things are intensifying. And things are awakening negatively. As well as positively. But the, the intensification of everything, you can feel it everywhere. Mugaboo22 says, I know of people who have gone insane through believing New Age teachings and doing, ver and doing different practices. Uh, we are not surprised to hear that. We are not surprised to hear that. And Azazel says, a lesson from that movie was basically, if you are... Um, if you're a useful vessel for their purposes, they will utterly destroy any threats or people that stand in their way. I think he was referring to... He was referring to one of the vampire films, I think. I think. I'm just not sure which. Maybe the, uh, the Anne Rice one, Interview with a Vampire. Okay, so 
what are ways that we can protect ourselves? Because we have to, at this point, hopefully by now, we all recognize that all of us, all of us have a target painted on our back. All of us have been targeted for termination. And by that, we mean not that the Black Lodge wants to kill us. No, the Black Lodge doesn't want to kill us. The Black Lodge wants to turn us. Like in Star Wars, they want to turn Jedi into Sith. Jennifer says, uh, this is exactly the message that I needed to hear today. Uh, thank you. You're welcome, Jennifer. You're welcome. Um, because anybody who's walking a path of light, walking a path of love, we attract like moths to a flame. We attract the Black Lodge. They want to screw with us. They want to mess with us. They want to stop us. They want to prevent us from awakening and self-realizing. Why? Because they are programmed to do so. And the further along we get on our path, the higher level of being we are, the more of a challenge we present to the Black Lodge. Because remember, from their point of view, we are the enemy. From their point of view, we are the adversary. From their point of view, on the chessboard, the white pieces are evil. And the white pieces need to be eliminated. The white pieces need to be trapped and checkmated. And from their point of view, we, the White Lodge, we are relentless and we are ruthless. Why? Listen to our lectures. Listen to our practices. Listen to what we tell you to do. Meditate, comprehend, and eliminate your egos. Well, the egos know this. The egos know that these White Lodge people, they want to figure us out and they want to eradicate us. They want to wipe us out. We can't have that. That's why we have to hypnotize them. That's why we have to keep them distracted. And that's why we have to steal their sexual energy so they can't use that sexual energy to incinerate us with. So we're going to steal their fire from them all the time. So we're going to keep them, we're going to keep them uh, empty. We're going to, uh, so they, they have no means to utilize that, that divine fire in a positive way. So we're going to keep sucking on it and keep inverting it and making it, making them use it in a negative way all the time, hypnotizing them. And the more we can get them to waste their sexual energy on these desires that we're tempting them with, the more we can multiply and dominate them and take them over to neutralize them as a threat and even, even potentially get them to awaken and become one of us. Because like everything in mechanical nature, egos just want to survive and multiply and dominate. As Azul says, we too have fallen for their tricks, but at least they've had the decency to do so face to face. 
uh, that may require um, a bit of an explanation or a bit of a story. It sounds like there's a story behind that. Um, different, you know, different black magicians, different demons have different approaches. Remember that for any criminal, if you want to just use that allegory for a moment, think of those um, jewel thieves. Think of the allegory of the the jewel thief, like from the Pink Panther or, or you know any of these uh, type um, of stories where there's this legendary one of a kind jewel, and it's and it's kept under this most extravagant, elaborate security system ever devised. Well, the master jewel thief can't resist that kind of a challenge. And the master jewel thief is, you know, the way they, they're always flamboyant and they're always, you know, showing, you know, they're always narcissistic and they're always, you know, they, it's like They're trying to make it difficult for themselves. They don't want it to be easy because they're a master jewel thief, and they they love the challenge, and they love the the uh, so on and so forth. And they and it's the, it's their personality, and they they want to be able to to um, uh, capture that jewel without the use of any technology or any devices or any gadgets or gizmos or or trickery or they just want to be able to use their pure skill and talent as a jewel thief to outsmart, outwit outmaneuver all of the security system. And as Azel says, we're talking about our encounter with Lilith. Uh, desire uh, he says, they do not always appear in person, but by that principle that they basically control reality in the way that uh, corporations do, corp, sorry, corporarians do, even for those moments as we go to sleep. Again, we're talking about, it, it depends a lot on the level of the entity that we're talking about here. What we're trying to express to you is that these entities have a level. They have their hierarchies, just like the angels and the archangels. But then there are lower level entities. So entities like astral larvae, they are just like incubi and succubi. They come to you in your dreams and they appear to you in your dream as a seductress or as a seducer depending on your gender. And it depends on also the ego that you're, that you're dealing with. So the, the kind of demon, the nature of the demon that you're dealing with. Lust in general, not always, but in general, it's a kind of a face-to-face, a, a -face, it's something you become conscious of to one degree or another or you become aware of you you and because lust 
is all about temptation and the need for you to willingly give yourself to the seduction. Fear is a terrorist. Fear doesn't seduce you. Fear doesn't want you to willingly give yourself to it. Fear just jumps you, right? Fear stabs you in the back. Fear attacks you when you least expect it to and when it's least appropriate and and when it's the most inconvenient and potentially harmful. Even as it claims that it has your best interest at heart and it's protecting you. So fear is a liar, a con man, a terrorist, uh, all of those things. Lust, lust can be very deceptive and lust can disguise itself and appear to you in many, many different ways. But lust is sort of overt and in your face to a degree. Because it's to seduce someone, you, you want to get them to the point where they say yes, they say okay. Right? And so and they they give them, they give themselves. They give in. They give in. That's the simplest way to express it. And lust wants you to give in to, to your desire to, or to its desire or to desire in general. Because its desire is your desire. That's the irony of it. So you see the scams and the approaches very wildly. Anger is another one. Well, anger also surprises you and jumps you. And that's why the relationship between fear and anger is very much a thing because fear is the desire to control. And anger, we say, I was I don't know what possessed me, right? Anger possesses you and grips you. And all of a sudden you become very angry. And so it's like anger wants to control you. It's trying to get you to do something. It wants you also to give in to your anger, but it's very different. It's, it's, it's different in a way than lust wanting you to give in to your desire. Because, but in a way they're similar and in a way they're different. Because anger is there to get you or to try to get somebody else to create the outcome that the ego desired in the first place. That, that anger is, is all about control and in order for you to control others, the demon of control, fear, controls you through anger. And that's why anger is very often, you know, you're, you're taking that, um, that frustration of fear out on others when they don't, uh, when they don't subscribe to the behavior or the outcome that, that you expect or that you are attached to. And then there's Envy and greed and gluttony, laziness. Laziness is also, again, a very different thing. Laziness doesn't have to... Laziness has you, sort of. At the, you know, it's, it's just... 
Azazel says, and that was sadly even more convincing than the first temptation. Oh, sorry, he's, uh, does, he says, at first we were willing, uh, but ultimately we were treated very harshly when we exposed what was going on. And he says, and that was sadly even more convincing than the first temptation. So this is a, um, what Azazel is describing here, what's coming to our, to us to sh uh, share with you is that, and we we're glad that he, he, he mentioned that he brought this up, um, The Black Lodge, it's not like we, again, it, this, comes, this comes down to us not being naive. We cannot afford to be naive. If you've read our article on facing your many faces of fear, you know that fear has dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of ways that it can get to you. There are literally like a thousand different things that you can be afraid of at any given point in time. And there's like hundreds of documented phobias that you can suffer from. And you can be a control freak or you can be a, a, uh, uh, a hypochondriac, right? A hypochondriac is, is terrified of catching diseases and sicknesses and dying. And a control freak just wants to control everybody and everything around them, right? And that's, that's still fear. That's just fear. And just think of that two opposite ends of the spectrum. Someone is completely paranoid in a shut-in and terrified of even leaving their apartment versus someone who's a control freak and a megalomaniac and trying to fix the world with his billions of dollars, right? Someone like Bill Gates. And it's possible that he can be both those things at different times. Or it's possible that he can be both those things at the same time. And that's just one ego of fear and the broad spectrum of how fear can screw with us. Well, how about lust? And remember, they always have their backup plan. So what Azazel is sharing here, what he's describing is at first, they approached him with a seduction and things were going very well for them. Azazel was seeming to cooperate and go along, going along with the scam. But then once he exposed them for what they were, they changed on a dime. And then the, 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 the teeth and the claws came out, presumably, when he says, then, then, um, but then ultimately we were treated very harshly when we exposed them for what was going on. So, <clears throat> uh, you probably know people like this. You've met people like this, especially... Uh, Toxic individuals, passive-aggressive individuals, narcissistic individuals, where at first, 
they can come off very charming and seductive and 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 forthright and they're you know flirtatious and and, and all the wonderful things that they're you know they're trying to schmooze you right or you know what we don't even have to talk about narcissists we can talk about con man or salesman or whatever right first they come at you with the soft sell oh you know i'm your best friend i'm here to look after you i have your best interest at heart i'm going to take care of you don't worry and then the more you resist, the more you resist, the more you resist, then come out the big guns. And then comes the hard sell. Or then comes the really, you know, the hard sell tactics like, uh, well, you know, I already got five people interested in this thing. And I've already got, you know, out of those five people, I got four firm offers. So you have to make a decision now because this, this, thing's, this thing's not going to be here. This thing's going to be gone. Right? This type of thing. And that's for, you know, coercion, threats, on and on and on it goes until, in the case of egos, eventually it turns to anger, it turns to assault, it turns to all sorts of things, especially in the astral plane, where they just outright just bring out the claws and they bring out, to take out their frustrations on you. And they use, at that point, they want to invoke fear and terror and anything else they can inside of you to dominate and control you. So there's this escalating spectrum of, of tactics and strategies. And there's no guarantee that they're going to start down here and move up there. And remember, there's such a thing called good cop, bad cop. It is very possible that you get approached by someone claiming to be the grandmaster of the Illuminati on Monday, and then Tuesday you get uh, a message from someone claiming to be of the Rosicrucian, uh, Rosicrucian Brotherhood or the Brotherhood of the Ascended Masters, and we just became a we we just became aware. We've been watching you for some time now. And we just saw that the Illuminati tried to try to get a hold of you. Did they get to you? Because we're here to help you. We're here to help protect you from them. And meanwhile, you may be being seduced by the same group. Just they're using good cop, bad cop to entrap you and ensnare you. Because this is how the, the Black Lodge works. Divide and conquer. Two sides of the same coin. Remember, pride doesn't care if you love yourself too much or you hate yourself. As long as you're self-centered and focused on, on yourself. Kamal Manzuki says, laziness has always been my most persistent ego, as it is for many of us, many of us. Um, laziness, especially uh, with regards to doing the spiritual work, spiritual practices, meditation, self-observation, self-remembering, transformation of impressions, prayer, mantra, pranayama, uh, all of this requires tremendous amounts of energy. All of this requires what Master Samael calls super efforts. 
being present and aware and awake. Um, whereas, as you know, as we all know, uh, most of the time, oh, just leave me alone. I just want to chill. You know, I just let me, I just want my, I want to be able for my mind to wander, for not to worry about anything, not to exert myself, and so on and so forth. Inertia, things at rest tend to stay at rest. It's really what laziness is. And it's interesting because there's another kind of laziness. Remember the spectrum? Remember the two sides of the same coin? Laziness is also busyness. Busyness. It's not, it's not by accident that we call companies and professionals, we say that they're in business. Or this store is in the business of shoes. Busyness. It seems like the opposite of laziness, right? But it's not. You know those people that they're too busy to meditate. They're too busy to practice transformation of impressions. They're too busy to do prayer or mantra or read spiritual books or listen to spiritual lectures. They don't have time for that. They're way too busy. That busyness is a manifestation and an expression of laziness. And how do we know that for sure? Because as soon as they stop being busy, they collapse on the couch and they go, oh, I had such a hard day. I had such a long day. Oh, oh no, I can't meditate now. Are you kidding me? I have no energy left. And the two sides, they, they, they get played both sides of that coin. And uh, busyness are those people who, again, they just go through life like on autopilot. They're just constantly, constantly doing, 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 doing. They never stop and simply experience being. Because even when they stop, they stop and they immediately collapse back into laziness. Because remember, busyness is laziness. So when they stop, their busyness, they don't default into being. No, they default into laziness because they just default on the only thing that they know, the thing that rules and dominates their life, which is laziness. Azazel, this is coming back to earlier, uh, his, his point. He says, yeah, she became extremely powerful and pointed out quite truthfully that we didn't approach her with respect. Um, The Black Lodge envies the White Lodge. And the Black Lodge wants what many religions and, and so on will, will say what God wants. Right? Are to be praised, to be worshipped. And the Black Lodge wants that of us. 
the Black Lodge wants to be idolized, wants to be worshipped, and it wants respect. In some cases, it wants to be feared. It wants to tower over humanity and wants humanity to cower and 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 fall to its knees and and worship them and respect them and honor them and 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 make sacrifices to them and i mean they they want to be gods it's it's they want to be humanity's gods and um because in that process that's that's how they maximize the consciousness and the energy that they they steal from humanity that which is willingly given see that which they take is one thing but you can really get a sense of this when you look at uh, criminals and criminality. Yeah, as Azel says, yeah, Lilith requires worship too. She's horribly convincing as well. Um, think, of, think, of, think of criminality, okay? Now, when you think of crime, and let's talk thieves. Let's talk specifically thievery. When you think of crime and thievery, perhaps the first level or the lowest level is someone who um, um, does something like a, a snatch and grab purse, purses, right? Some punk, some young punk or young kid, you know, walking in a busy city or whatever. What does he do? He grabs an old lady's purse. And, and, and makes a run for it. Well, the old lady is not going to catch him. And what he's counting on is that nobody's going to stop him. And so it's easy money. And he, he, he grabs the purse and he runs, he takes off with it. The next level up, you have the sneak thief who has a little bit more finesse and has, is a little bit more subtle. And the sneak thief or the pickpocket uh, wants to very stealthily, you know, uh, put his hand into the purse and take out the wallet or take out the cell phone or put his hand in the pocket and take out the wallet or the cell phone or the, the, or, or, or relieve an individual of the Rolex watch or whatever, such that the individuals, the victims aren't even aware that they're being robbed. And so there's a whole classification of thievery like that. Break-ins, burglars, uh, uh, you know, bank thieves, you're going in at night and like breaking into the vault and so on and so forth. But it's all about taking and taking and taking. But eventually, we have to look at 
how thieves begin to organize themselves. When and you start to look at the archetypes of, for example, the gypsy kings, or the pirate king, or the mafia boss, who claims ownership over a territory, or ownership over a guild, or lordship over a guild, right? Or, or authority and mastery over a family. And now he demands tribute. So everybody who, right, everybody who steals in his territory, they have to come and give it to the boss. And what's more, in the case of the mafia, through threats, through coercion, even the storekeepers, Okay, they have to give to the mob for their protection. This, by the way, is the origin of taxation. Because in feudal England, the feudal lords, quote, protected the peasants, the serfs, by building a castle, building a keep, with high walls and a drawbridge. And all the serfs lived outside the castle in the villages. But if the region was attacked, the serfs could come and, and bring their, their women and children and come inside the walls of the keep. And the lord would, would pull up the drawbridge and the, and the, the lord commander, the, uh, the, the, the ruler of that, that, that feudal uh, region, he would have soldiers and archers and knights possibly to defend them and to defend the, the keep from any invaders or any marauders or any uh, or, um, uh, raiders or, sort of, for example, Viking excursions or whatever the case may be. However, castles cost money. Soldiers cost money. Swords and shields and armor and bows and arrows all cost money. And so the feudal lord said to their serfs, look, I got to take a percentage of your crops and a percentage of your money and everything else. Because if not, I won't be able to afford the soldiers and the knights and the arrows and the bows and the archers and everything else that I need and the castle and the keep. And that's, that's where the word upkeep comes from, by the way. Upkeep. As Azul reminds us, that's also where insurance was born. Yeah. That's right. You pay an insurance company so that in your time of need, that insurance company will pay for you. It, it, it ensures your safety or ensures your, your, um, your financial security. Insurance. Um, but, like, but the upkeep of the castle literally comes from the fact that castles were called keeps. 
And just like the mafia, it was a racket. Because guess what? The feudal lords that like the uh the, the raiders that were coming in and threatening the uh the serfs, well, that was a neighboring feudal lord down the road. So the feudal lords would get together, they would marry off each other's their 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 children to one another. There would be, you know, it was all big, one big happy family. Like all the, when all the, like in um, uh, The Godfather, when all the mob bosses get together to have that meeting. And, um, and so it's all one big racket. So nobody was ever, ever really in danger, but the appearance of danger is what they needed to be able to extort what they call taxes from the serfs and yeah a percentage of it went to for the upkeep of the keep and the soldiers and everything else but most of it went into the pockets of the feudal lord so that was a bit of a tangent but remember as within so without that exists out there in the world because there are different levels at the Black Lodges, different levels of entities. There's those entities that just take and take without us knowing it. And then there are those entities that seduce, that coerce, that convince, that con. But what they want, what they expect is for us to give and give in. And give generously. And so it's a it's at a different level, right? It's a different it's a different kind of theft. It's a different kind of control and dominance. It's one thing. It's interesting because. Um, it's one thing to want to dominate someone by force and force them to do something against their will. And that, that shows you have a level of power over them, but it's physical power. It's mechanical power. What, what really motivates the Black Lodge is when they have power over your will, where you willingly give in to them. That is like, that's real power for them. That's when they've achieved the higher, higher levels. If they're just stealing, like they're just like backstreet pickpockets or whatever, or they're or they're forcing their will on, you know, coercing people at the, uh, at the, you know, um, by threatening death or whatever, you know, that's another kind of power and they still get what they want, but it's just not, it's not at the same level as the really high end entities that will try to seduce you and to take from you in that way. Azazel says, yeah, at their higher levels, they say, just give a little attribute and you'll be insured at the time of times of need. Uh, 
perhaps, or perhaps they will say, yeah, just do this thing and um, we will help you become everything you always dreamed of becoming. If you want to be a great wizard or a great master or a great whatever, just do this, just do that, whatever this or that may be. And um, very often it's, it's sexual in nature and it's a kind of Trojan horse. That act, well, look, just go and see what passes for so-called spiritual sexuality these days. And Zazo says, yeah, giving, giving, uh, giving tributes is a form of, um, of worship. Okay, so um, I don't know if uh, Benjamin is here today, but no doubt he would, uh, he would give us the quote uh, of uh, Jesus' Jesus's temptation in, in the desert when Satan appears. And he says, uh, I will give you all the lands of the of the earth and et cetera, et cetera, and all the riches and wealth and everything else if you would but kneel down and worship me. That's Faust. And that's that's the classic temptation. And again, that's the ultimate desire. It's very, very powerfully illustrated or dramatized is the right word in the movie Legend that was directed by Ridley Scott back in the early 80s. Um, when darkness, okay, darkness is, um, yeah, Zazel says, yeah, that's a perfect example. Um, uh, Darkness, who's played by Tim Curry, um, he's essentially the devil, but they they only call him Darkness. And the uh, the practical makeup and effects on Darkness is absolutely mind mind blowing, mind boggling. It's the greatest visual representation of a demon in any film ever, in in our opinion, or my opinion. It's but even his the way in which he presents himself and the way he and the seduction that takes place in that film and everything else it's it's absolutely it's it's phenomenal it's the rest of the movie is you know ho-hum and so-so and everything else and and uh, tom cruise is playing jack and everything else it's 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 okay but but the magic of that film is the relationship between darkness and lily lily who is represents innocence. She's the young virgin, presumably, and that that uh, darkness has captured. And he's going to use Lily to lure the unicorn. Because the unicorn, he wants the unicorn's uh, magic power, the, you know, his magic horn. And the, the unicorn's horn, obviously, is a phallic symbol and it's also his third eye. It represents knowledge and power and magic and all of these things. 
So he successfully lures the unicorn and he gets the unicorns into chains. And, but he wants Lily as her bride. He needs Lily to be her bride. So he has to seduce Lily. He has to woo her. And he does so successfully. And then at the climax of the film, she says, wait. And, uh, and he turns to her and she says, I want to kill the unicorn. And when, when darkness hears this, he lets out this bellowing laugh, this bellowing laughter, this insidious, that, 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 that stereotypical <laughs> kind of laughter, like this, this self-satisfied laughter that he not only was he able to seduce the young girl into becoming his bride, but now he's corrupted her such to the point that she wants to be the one that slits the unicorn's throat and cuts the horn from his head. Like, and, and to, to when, when he hears her say that, he's like, I'm the master. I'm the god of everything. I've conquered all. I've the, you know, it makes him feel like he's the king shit. That's when he wins. That's when he feels like he's, and he, the bellowing laughter, like Tim Curry's performance in combination with the physical uh, effects and the makeup and everything else, it, and, and Ridley Scott's direction and the art direction and art design and the lighting and everything, it's perfect. It's perfection. And it is the greatest dramatization of, of the seduction of innocence by a demon and 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 the dramatization of that, the the, the how that story unfolds, and what that demon really, really, really wants, why that seduction is taking place. He wants to not just not just steal or enslave or coerce or threaten or force innocence. He wants to turn innocence. He wants to corrupt innocence. He wants a uh, a a companion. What's the word we're looking for? He wants his counterpart. He wants his bride to be as vicious and as nasty and as wanton and as selfish and as evil as he is. Sauron and Saruman in The Hobbit uh, depicts it quite well, as Azil says. Perhaps, but it doesn't have the same sexual connotation as it does in Legend. It doesn't have the, the seduction, that, that, that seductive aspect. Um, so Saruman gets overwhelmed by the sheer power of Sauron. It's um, we hear you, but you have to watch Legend, and then make the decision. Decide for yourself if you if uh, which you think is a 
is a more apt um saruman and sauron it's still like it's a wizard being tempted by the dark lord and it's still a little bit out there but lily is just a a teenage girl and the seduction and the way that it's played by tim curry and the fact that it the length like this is the majority of the film is this story is the seduction of lily that's the that's the majority of the film was like we're, we're looking at like a good hour of this being dramatized so and and all the different tricks and tactics and and the approach and so on well maybe it's not is it an hour maybe it's only about 45 minutes because the, the movie is actually quite short if we recall correctly i think it's only about 90 minutes so uh yeah you you, sh you should give it a you should give it a watch um as we said it's one of the it's one of the best depictions of a demon uh on screen ever uh in in ter in terms of that that uh that uh, uh and then Hermistris uh he says oh and then then he brings up labyrinth and labyrinth is another one now labyrinth was jim henson and uh david bowie uh as the goblin king and then there's Jennifer Connelly, who's the one being seduced. As Azza says, Lily is the name of Lilith. It ought to, rem uh, ought to remember that her polarity is the angel of love. Well, we don't want to give away any spoilers. We don't want to give away, we don't want to give away any spoilers. Um, Hermes Tree says, is another, it's, a, it's another one that the seduction is very well put off innocence. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the 80s, the 80s genre films, the fantasy films of the 80s, uh, be it Dark Crystal and Labyrinth by Jim Henson, or, um, or yeah, Legend by Ridley Scott, and to some degree Conan the Barbarian, but not so much. But some of the other fantasy movies, and even Lord of the Rings, the animated, the Bakshi animation uh, came out, I guess, perhaps late 70s, uh, 80s. but when we talk fantasy, we have to include Star Wars because Star Wars is fantasy, not science fiction. It's just, it's fantasy in space. So the 80s had this remarkable aspect that the 80s was known as the, um, the decade of greed. We had films like Glengarry Glen Ross and Wall Street and Wall Street was riding high and Reagan in the White House and it really was a decade of greed. It was like the decade of, you know, cocaine, cocaine and capitalism and all the, you know, the brokerages and, and all that stuff. And counter to that, it almost seemed like in, a, in an attempt to counter that zeitgeist, all of these children's movies, essentially, or at least fantasies and like fairy tales made for children and adults but made by adults in a very adult way that to to counter that by by having these very very strong powerful uh uh allegories of good versus evil and of temptation because temptation is a huge thread of the Star Wars trilogy. The temptation by the dark side. 
and 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 learning how to uh, repel that, learning how to defend yourself against that. To not give in. Don't give in to your anger, Yoda tells Luke. Don't give in to your fear. Because if you give in to your fear, if you give in to your anger, they have you. Uh, as Azza says, no spoilers? Damn it, now I know that Lilith will be depicted. Uh, I just I just let you 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 discover uh, the film on your own, uh, and uh, as Azazel says, uh, Diablo Four made a horribly good job at depicting her as well. So so you've said, and um, and uh, we agree from what we've seen so far. And Hermes Tree says Yoda's speech to Kid Anakin and Luke before him always resonated. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's to Kid Anakin and Luke before him always resonated because. Um, Yes, you can't forget the dark crystal, Kamal Manzuki says. <laughs> oh, we weren't forgetting the dark crystal. We said dark crystal and labyrinth, the two Jim Henson uh, fantasies from the 80s. Uh, it's just, it was that decade, that decade in terms of films and filmmaking uh, and genre filmmaking uh, has has never been equaled, except for what came close. We have to admit, has to be the two thousands. Uh, it has to be the aughts, and again, there it was very much. You have you have the Lord of the Rings. You have first the Matrix trilogy, and then the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It was. Um, So, you know, there have been, and the aughts were defined by 9-11 and the war on terror, which was a massive, um, a massive false flag op operation and a massive uh, black magic spell cast on the entire world. The bringing down of the two towers, the bringing down of the towers of Jacqueline and Boaz. It was a uh, it was a huge spell that the again just like just like recently with COVID the in, the entire U.S. fell for it and threw countless money into these wars on terror and war in Iraq and et cetera et cetera et cetera. So it's not surprising that it was in that decade that the Matrix trilogy came out and Lord of the Rings came out again, almost like they, they were. A direct response to what was happening in the world and to the collective consciousness of humanity, there needed to be a response. Um, when we said to when we said about uh, mentioning Dark Crystal, uh, Kamala and Zuki said I must have been zoning out. Don't worry, uh, we you it was just it was just we just mentioned it, so it was very easy to miss. Hermes Tree says Labyrinth was very much more Bowie's fantasy and goal of godhood to a degree as well. Whereas Dark Crystal seems much more unique and not with sinister motive compared to uh, Labyrinth. The interesting thing about Dark Crystal is that 
we see with the Skeksis, we see um, a very interesting interplay between what we can reasonably interpret as being egos, as being the Black Lodge, and how the different Skeksis are are um, what what's the word plotting to oh, to take to take the throne um, the the Chamberlain specifically and how he's like this weaselly whining weaselly scheming skexy right now the other interesting thing about the skexies is you know when they get the uh, the gelflings or the, the the other little beings from the world and they strap them in the chair and they force them to gaze at the dark crystal and then it's it sucks their life force out and then and puts it into a, a bottle and then the skexies drink it right so again there's an allegory of the egos stealing life force stealing energy from the the innocence from the, the 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 folk and the way they do it is because of this dark crystal right a stone now a stone is the philosophical stone it's the foundation stone the keystone that stone is sex the nine-sided stone that's what a crystal is and in the same way that you look at medusa and you get turned to stone in labyrinth you look at the dark crystal and it sucks all the life out of you so all of these there's many many different ways to play with these symbols and how they get expressed allegorically but the point is is that life force is what the skexies drink and when they drink it the depending on the being that they drink it from they get renewed they get rejuvenated so the so um the the skexy who drinks that life force and then that life force makes them feel a little bit younger and stronger and conspiracy theorists will tell you that once that um uh jim henson once he did the muppet show and he had access to all of those hollywood actors who were coming on the muppet show and he and so he he got to know many of these big name actors and stuff and he had to interact with their producers and their agents and whatnot and he actually because he got into hollywood and he got you know he got around a bit right many people will tell you that the dark crystal and what's happening there with the skexies and the, the, the sucking of life force and the rejuvenation and everything else is because he saw things in hollywood related to uh the p word and young children and adina uh, uh, adrenochrome that's what conspiracy theories will tell you about the dark crystal and what the dark crystal means but what we will tell you is that anything related to that just like the uh the legends about um the hungarian countess um who bathed in the blood of virgins to stay youthful Anything related to that 
that existed in the world is all just another expression of what the Black Lodge does internally, right? To exploit our sexual energy, to, uh, to exploit our sexual force. So naturally, uh, awakened demons or black magicians do the same thing out in the world. They want the same energy. And the prana, the chi, is in the blood. So it's in the, it's in the vital fluids. So that's where the vampire, that's where the vampirism comes. And the adrenochrome and all this stuff. And then they want innocence. They want innocence because if someone is innocent, then their energy is more pure. It hasn't been corrupted yet. So again, all of these things that we're talking about are all different expressions of the scams and stuff and the traps and the tricks that the Black Lodge use in order to get what they want. And they get what they want because that's what they're programmed to do. Because that's what they need to survive and to replicate as mechanical entities. They need that energy and they're going to get it. They're going to take it. And so when we watch these, but the thing about watching these movies and films is that encoded in and allegorized in them, these timeless universal uh, stories of good versus evil, but actually encoded into the mechanics of that evil and the nature of that evil is this nature of seduction. And this is universal going all the way back, including in the Bible, including the, uh, the temptation of Christ in the, in the desert, including the temptation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Seduction and temptation and coercion and trickery and like, look at, look at the three witches and Lady Macbeth. Look at how Lady Macbeth manipulates her husband when thou when thou hast done it then wilt thou be a man if you were a man you would do it like what man can handle that kind of uh, talk from his spouse from his significant other if you don't do this thing you're not a man, you're a mouse, or you're a simp, or you're a pussy, or you're a whatever, right? What, what man can, can handle being judged that way by his wife, by his spouse, to be seen no, more, no, no longer as a man? Oh, fuck, oh I'm going to pull myself up from my bootstraps. I'm going to grow a pair of brass balls and I'm going to go do this thing. Why? Because, because I got to prove myself. I got to prove to my woman that I'm a man and I'm not a, and that I'm not a wuss and whatever. Right. It's, 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 it's one of the oldest tricks in the book. It's one of the oldest tricks in the book. And if you watch the, if you watch uh, the scene from Glengarry Glen Ross, where Alec Baldwin is uh, is is uh, is chewing out the sales office for their lack of performance at the end of his at the end of his uh, his so-called pep talk. He opens up his uh, briefcase and he pulls out and he, and he literally he literally pulls out a pair of brass balls, <laughs> and he says, "You know what it takes to sell real estate? 
It takes brass balls, and he hang and he's holding them down at his at his at his crotch. These brass balls. He pulled them out of his briefcase. It's like it's one of the oldest tricks in the book. Attacking a man's masculinity, his manliness, and using that as a way to coer coerce him into taking action, especially violent action, right? Because that's what men are good for, right? Going to war, doing the dirty work, doing other people's uh, dirty work. That's what, that's what, it's called muscle. <laughs> it's called muscle for a reason. Uh, so temptation, coercion, trickery, manipulation, there's all these different words. They all come down and they all relate to the same thing. And that is this, this mechanical entity that has this program and it's relentless and it's ruthless and it's, and remember, it's an AI, it's an artificial intelligence, which means it can learn just like these chat GPT things and, and, and complex language models and whatever, they can learn from what other people have done and they can they can't create, but what they can do is they they can um, they can deconstruct and reconstruct. So they can create derivative versions. They can copy and they can make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. They can make their own version of something, which is heartless, which is soulless, which has zero inspiration. It's just copying. It's just copying something else. They, but they can do that and they can make it their own. They can make it, right? And that's, and I love that uh, scene um, uh, in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when um, they go off to Italy to do the spaghetti westerns. And he also do a, a spaghetti uh, James Bond knockoff called uh, Operazione, Op Operazione Dynamite. <laughs> it's the cheesiest, like, James Bond ripoff, right? Well, it's so, but that's what you know. Hollywood and all these studios, like after Star Wars came out, you know how many derivative Star Wars ripoff movies there were, and B movies that were trying to be Star Wars. To this day, to this day, around the world, there are one of the most one of the funniest things you can ever watch in your life is a look up uh, Turkish Star Wars. I think that's right. Yeah, Tur Turkish Star Wars. It's unbelievable. Um, okay, let's let we, we're we're falling behind on the comments. Um, as Azel says, it's not so fun realizing that even angels and archangels can fall to their tricks. Okay, well, all right. Um, thank you for mentioning that, Azazel, because uh, that hadn't come to us uh, to mention that. But there's that expression, every demon was once an angel. And, you know, this is the type of truth bomb that these new age positive thinkers, the people who suffer from spiritual bypassing and don't want to have anything to do with what we're talking about here. And they don't want to hear it. 
they, they say it's all nonsense. It doesn't exist. It's all blah, blah, blah. It's all, you know, whatever, whatever rationalizations and excuses they have, this is the kind of truth bomb that they need to hear and that they need to take to heart. All those new agers, all those people who, th who think that they're already awake and that their journey is already over and they've already uh, achieved whatever they need to achieve and they're all completely you know, trapped in their ego or the ones who are being seduced by angels and archangels to become mediums and to channel their truth. And what they don't realize is that channeling is a spiritual crime and there is no angel or archangel that is going to ask you to be their channel what you're dealing with there is a demon pretending to be an angel. A demon who's making themselves appear like a resplendent being because that, and they're telling you what you want to hear. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, I've been chosen. I'm the chosen one to spread the true message from Archangel Mikael. Oh, whoa, quick, 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 quick. Let, let me go. Let me go get a, uh, get a pen and paper. You know how many New Age books are on shelves uh, in bookstores? That when you open up the front cover, you read the or you read the back panel, or you read the introduction to the book or the foreword or whatever, it says, oh, and, and I didn't write this. This was channeled by the archangel, blah, 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 blah. And yes, so I'm I know I I turned it back on, you know, how how easily naive people fall for the Black Lodge and their tricks. But as Azel points out, right, if angels can fall for it, if angels, right, masters <laughs> can fall for it, well, who the hell are we to think that we're immune or that we're somehow smarter or clever or we'll be, we're going to be able to see through it? Because we're not and we don't. Because all of us already, right now, in this moment, we all have our defects, our vices, our little addictions. We have the things that we're stuck in, the, the, the ruts, our conditioning. And we have our beliefs. And we all suffer from mystic pride to one degree or another. And if we observe ourselves, we know that, we recognize that. We fall for it all the time. How many of us can open up a bag of chips and not eat the whole bag or pop the lid off of a quart of ice cream and not eat the whole ice cream. Maybe you can, I can't, All right? That's one of my, you know, it's a trap. I know it's a trap. I know it's a trap. It's a trap for my gluttony. Uh, Hermes, uh, Hermes Trees says, I feel sorry for anyone that degenerates to that point, how trapped and deep in a pit they must be to partake in adrenochrome such a horrendous physical manifestation of the Black Lodge. Well, those are physical manifestations of demons at that point. So, and and they are like black, they're, yeah, they're so deep in it. So they are literally, as you say, they are literally playing out what they do metaphysically because that's the only thing that can keep them alive and keep them animated. Because they're, they're like the undead, right? They're like vampires, right? They have to drink blood. To, to remain animated. They're the, they're, the, they're the undead. Like vampires are undead. Same as zombies. Um, Azazel says, yep, I had a girlfriend like that. I didn't have the book to read at the time. Um, yeah, so women women love using that as a, uh, as a means to manipulate. 
um, by qu questioning your uh, your manliness. And Benjamin Ochoa says, yeah, laugh out loud. Uh, the brass balls, uh, the brass balls story, good stuff. Uh, that's a, it's one of, you want to, uh, David Mehmet wrote that uh, stage play. I'm pretty sure he also wrote the screenplay for Glengarry Glen Ross. And David Mehmet is a, a very, very good um, a writer for writing um, hard-hitting dialogue. And, and again, these films came out in the 80s, and they're like the epitome of that 80s greed. Like, the, you, you watch these films, and you, you want to know how business thinks. You want to know how corporations think. You want to know the attitude they have, the culture in these places? Watch those movies. Watch Glengarry Glenn Ross. And you're like, oh, okay, I I get it now. <laughs> it's and you forget about what they tell you, forget about the PR and the advertising and all that nonsense. You watch Glengarry Glenn Ross, and now you get the the essence of of, of what the core foundation of, of all of that that is like. Hermes Tree says, the attack on the archetypal symbolism of what it is on a man and like and likewise with the sacred feminine is astounding. Well, that's today, yes. Today, the Black Lodge is playing this game of confusion and deconstruction, right? It's all part of what we call the Great Awakening. And that trap, because remember, remember the, a few weeks ago, we talked about the four traps that we're writing about in our book. Uh, transhumanism, New Age, conspiracy, and culture wars. So what Hermes Trees, uh, you're talking about now are the culture wars, the, the, the wars on gender, the wars on biology, the war on, on tradition, on the nuclear family, on the patriarchy. And as you're pointing out here, so when we say the war on gender, the war on traditional masculinity and the war on traditional femininity, which they don't call it traditional masculinity. What do they call it? They call it toxic masculinity. And they don't call it traditional femininity. They call it, what do they call it? Is it being, a, is it simping? Sometimes we can't, we can't, uh, sometimes we can't uh, keep up with all of the, uh, the new speak. Is it simping or is it something like a being a doormat or anyway, the point is, is that the feminists uh, have always attacked uh, the women who, um, who want to uh, live a life in a traditional uh, feminine role. And they're basically, um, in, in a similar way to toxic masculinity, there's a term, but it's not toxic femininity. It's, it's something else. That they, it's, a, it's a term that they use to describe women who they essentially feminists accuse of choosing slavery essentially uh, being slaves to the patriarchy being slaves to misogynist um and chauvinist toxic masculinity basically hermes tree says isn't that what sauron represents a uh, symbolism for a fallen angel yes Yes, but 
Sauron also represents what we in uh, esotericism we call the, uh, the, the the doctrine of the eye, and relates to the physical eye, right? So it, but it also relates to the eye, because visually, the tower of Sauron, the great eye, it looks like an eye, like an eye. So, but the doctrine of the eye is all the interpretations, the beliefs. The illusions, the the um, it's it's everything you take in through your eye, right? You, I'll see it, I'll believe it when I see it, and so that's all ego. That's all ego. It's all ego mind, ego rationalization, and also the doctrine of the eye is you. In order to know what you want, um, you have to see it. You see what you want. The the object of your desire, right? So you see what you want and then you take it. That's all part of the doctrine of the eye. And again, the eye related to the physical eye, but also related to the eye of the ego. Um, so yes, and it's the eye of the ego that keeps us trapped on the wheel of samsara, the wheel of suffering, or the wheel of becoming, if you want to, the, the bhava chakra. It keeps us trapped on that wheel and that is the ring, right? That is the one ring. Um, uh, Hermes also says he uh, history repeats. History repeats. Even someone as enlightened as John D. fell for it. He was under Edward Kelly's influence for some time, and even was convinced to allow Kelly to seduce his wife. As the story goes, uh, we will take your word for it. As we are not, we are not uh, familiar with those with those individuals, those names, or that story. So we'll take your word for it. Kamal Manzuki says there's merch they have at Target that says Satan respects your pronouns. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that that, uh, that uh, shirt, that's for rednecks and born-again Christians. I think that's, a, that's an ironic shirt. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an insult to the woke crowd. That's what it's saying. It's saying, yeah, you know who respects your pronouns? Satan. Satan respects your pronouns. And Kamal Manzuki, uh, they call them uh, pick-me's. Azazel, uh, simping is basically a man who devalue themselves in order to gain the respect of another woman. Yeah, so that's what, yeah, simp is. The new speak word um, is a simp. Yes, and and uh, and the thought. Um, so I have to come. No, I know there's a, I know there's a, a word for it. It's just, like I said, it's, it's super hard to, uh, to, to, um, stay ahead of all this because remember we don't we don't spend our time in social media using this language or dealing with people who are constantly using this language so so we don't use this language ourselves so it's not something that's we don't speak and you speak <laughs> so right um um okay uh traditional feminist traditional feminist name okay no, 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 no. 
feminine insult. Okay, let's see what happens. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, no. It's this uh, Google search is not helpful. Okay, so we'll we'll um, it'll 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 come to us. It'll come to us. Okay, so we got to the end of the the end of the chats. Um, what we haven't gotten to yet. What we wanted to do is show you um, at the very basic level, first of all, um, we talked about this course. Let's bring it up again because this is very important. Again, if you haven't taken the time to go through this course, Lecture by lecture, one by one. Um, there's the link <clears throat> on the screen. <clears throat> now, from this course, one of the lectures is Christ, Mantra, and Mind Protection. And we're going to scroll down through the preamble all the way past the discussion of mantra, etc., etc., etc. So this is a very... Um, it's a very uh, in-depth uh, um, lecture. But this is the mantra, and there is a YouTube video about it, where they do the pronunciation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the mantra is Klim, uh, Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabaya, Swaha, and the meaning of. Um, No, hang on a second. No, I don't. Uh, the The translation is. I don't think that's a translation. Anyway, so I believe the the explanation for the translation of the mantra is in this lecture. I just don't know exactly where it is, so I can't highlight it right now. Um, but I'll just read this quote from Master Samael regarding this particular mantra. He says, the tenebrous ones from the 18th arcanum scatter in terror because the flaming star or pentagram is instantaneously formed when vocalizing these mantras. Okay? So, in light of that, oh, you know what? We'll read you this next one. The powerful mantra mentioned above has three perfectly defined stages. Oh, here's the explanation. On chanting Klim, which the occultists of India call the seed of attraction, we provoke a flow of Christic energy, which instantaneously descends 
from the world of the solar logos in order to protect us. Thus, a mysterious door is then downwardly opened. Afterwards, by chanting the three following parts of the mantra, the Christic energy is infused within the one who chants them. Finally, by means of the fifth part, the one who has received the Christic energy can radiate it with tremendous force in order to defend himself from the tenebrous ones. They then scatter away in terror. It's a bit of a mouthful at first, but it's worthwhile uh, remembering, memorizing, and more importantly, using. Klim Krishnaya Govindaya Gopijana Vayabhaya Swaha. Now, to make this mantra even more powerful and more meaningful, we combine it. And what do we combine it with? We combine it with what's known as the microcosmic star. I'll make that bigger. So the microcosmic star is essentially a, a rune that we are performing. It's a, a, it's a movement that we are performing. And uh, as Azil says, we've tried it and it works. Yes, well, we know we've used it many times. We've used it many, many times. And every time you do any type of spiritual practice, especially something like White Tantra, you want to finish with the microcosmic star to seal your work and seal your space to protect yourself to make a to make a space of love to make a christic space to make a space where other entities won't be entering into your um um and and interrupting you or interfering with your work so the microcosmic star we'll just let this play and then what we'll we'll use the pause button to um Okay, we're just going to let this play through once. Okay, this is the movement. So, you form the top, right? And you're creating the the microcosmic star with this movement. That's and you want to visualize yourself doing this. Uh, and visualize this in your mind as you're doing it. And the microcosmic star mirrors the macrocosmic star, quote, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Revelations 22.16. Now the rest of this video walks uh, the microcosmic star through stage by stage. Okay, but what we're going to do, yes, okay, what we're going to do is use the pause button and we're going to apply the mantra that we just saw to the microcosmic star. And this is how it looks. Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabhaya, Swaha. And then we go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And by the ho most holy, tetragrammaton, 
And that's com that completes the microcosmic star. Using the mantra, we should make ourselves bigger for that part. And we try to, you know what? Um, we can, we should perhaps try to zoom ourselves out a bit. And um, we can't stand up with our, if we had, if we had a proper like team <laughs> working with us as someone to do camera work or whatever, then we could, uh, we could stand up and do this properly. But uh, perhaps we'll make our own, uh, we'll make our own video of this someday. Um, we can't move the microphone away too far because then you won't hear us. So um, let's back this up and, and let's repeat this. Okay, so again, it's Klim, Krish, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabaya, Swaha, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and by the most holy Tetragrammaton. That last part is the Sig rune, the Sig. That's the omnipresent ray of Okidanak descending from the second logos down the tree of life. That's that lightning bolt, the, the S uh, lightning bolt uh, Sig rune that we, we finish with. The Obviously, the sign of the cross, you know the significance of that, and the Tetragrammaton. is the other aspect of the pentagram. So the pentagram and the tetragram, the tetragram, the four, the, the four names of, uh, on the four corners, it relates to the pentagram. It's the tetragrammaton. This in combination, the mantra and the the rune essentially as we described the uh, the microcosmic star is a very powerful uh way to protect yourself and protect your space but again the way they do it on this video they don't combine combine it with a mantra so it's 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 performed too fast so we have to pause the video so once again, it's Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabhaya, Swaha. Yeah, yeah, see, it's too fast. Regardless, uh, if you have any questions about that, we can, we can expand on it. Um, but the mantra you get from the Defense for Spiritual Warfare course and we should just very quickly, um, yeah, so they don't, so here this video, I think they just, in this video, they just um, give you the correct pronunciation. But the mantra, Klim Krishnaya Govindaya Gopijana Vayabhaya Swaha, you know, Here it is in the chat and it's on screen as well. So you combine that with 
the rune here. So once again, Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabaya, Swaha. And then in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and by the Most Holy, Tetragrammaton. And you use your right hand and three fingers. Uh, and a, three fingers. Two fingers and a thumb. So this is your this is your hand raised on high. When you do the, the sign of the cross, you want your hand, your right hand raised on high, and you put your left hand on your solar plexus. Yeah, so very simple but powerful way to protect yourself. And if you ever find yourself confronted in the astral plane by entities or what you think might be entities, you can, you can protect yourself with the microcosmic star. You can also, using the mantra, this mantra, the mantra that's on screen now, you can draw a circle of protection around yourself using your sword. Now you might ask, what sword? What do you mean sword? Where do I get a sword from in the astral plane? Well, you ask your Divine Mother to deliver you your weapons. If you are awake in the astral plane, if you are projecting in the astral plane, at any moment, at any time, you can pray to your Divine Mother. You can simply ask your Divine Mother, Divine Mother, please, I beg of you, give me my weapons. Give me my sword and my shield. And then they will appear in your hands. And once you have your sword and shield, you make your sword a flaming sword, if it isn't already flaming, when your Divine Mother sends them to you. And using that flaming sword, just pointing it down toward the ground, you, you make one complete revolution as you say the mantra, Klim Krishnaya Govindaya Gopijana Vayabaya Svaha, and you draw a circle around you, a, flame, a circle of flames around you, and you visualize this pentagram inside of that circle such that the bottom two tips are pointing toward the demon that is confronting you or pointing towards a threat. So the pentagram needs to be upright from the perspective of the demon approaching you. This is what's called a ward and you will ward off, the entity will not be able to cross the circle of flames, the circle of protection that you have drawn. Unless they are, in some rare case, there are like some uber powerful demon or whatever. But even then, it's very unlikely that they will they will be able to cross that, especially when you combine it with the mantra and drawing the circle of protection. This is important for, you know, avoiding being attacked, being overwhelmed by entities in the astral plane, which can happen. 
know how common it is, but um, it's hard to say how common it is because it's not something that Gnostics don't typically go around talking about their experiences to begin with, let alone what they've encountered in the astral plane. Um, we have made exceptions to that rule, but that's because we're we're trying to help people and and, uh, and share with people and and prepare people for what they might not be expecting and and for how to defend yourself. So one of the one of the main reasons why people fall for the Black Lodge and fall for their scams and their tricks and their traps is because they don't know any better. Because they, they don't know to be looking out for the scam. Like most people who project in the astral plane, they have no idea that they can encounter demons in there. That, that just because some resplendent being appears to you in the astral plane, it's like you have to, you have to know how to be able to discern whether that's a real angel or if that's a demon pretending to be an angel. And anytime we talk to people like this, the immediate thing that pops into their mind is, oh, I, I, I can tell the difference. I would be able to know the difference. Really? How? Oh, I would just know. I would, I would have the intuition or I would have the knowledge or I could just tell or I'd be able to feel their energy or blah, 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 blah. And they spew all this mystic pride bullshit, horseshit, the stuff that they tell themselves to convince themselves that they're more awake than they actually are, to think that you're going to go toe-to-toe with an awakened demon when you're 51% or more demon yourself, you're likely more like 90% demon, like all of us, 97% asleep, 90% or 7% ego. That's humanity on average. So how can you tell? How can you tell if, if, if someone, if you're being approached by an entity in the supernal worlds, you're in the astral plane, how can you tell the nature of that entity? Because do, do not count on your ability to be able to sense it or know it or feel it or intuit it or whatever. Remember, you're in a game. And in that game... The whole point of the game is to test you. So the game is not going to be easy. They're not going to send you a demon in disguise that you are going to be able to see through its disguise. What would be the point of that? What would be the point? How, how does that test you? They're going to send you a demon in disguise that you can't see through the disguise. It's going to be very convincing. You're going to be you're going to be convinced hook line and sinker. So what do you do? If the entity is approaching you as a master, as an angel, you know, and promising you this or promising you that or you know whatever, then you say, "Oh, great master, great angel, Please, with all humility, I beg of you, would you do me the honor of instructing me in the correct practice of Tantra? 
Because a very powerful demon, it, you can do the microcosmic star, you can do this mantra all you want, a very powerful demon won't budge. They'll shake off this mantra. We, we have fought with demons in the, in the astral plane, okay? We have watched demons walk over pentagrams, walk through circles of fire. We have been paralyzed by them and in their grips and, and, and as we were reciting this mantra. So let us not be naive and let us not believe that, oh, I've got a mantra now, I'm invincible. Or I've got a pentagram now, I'm invincible. No, we required our sword. But if you have an entity approach you as, an, as pretending to be an angel or a master or whatever, you want to know for sure, you ask them to instruct you on the proper practice of Tantra, the correct application of Tantra. Please, with all humility, tell me what is the what is the uh, uh, correct application of tantra, the correct use of tantra. Specifically, should I or 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 uh, shouldn't I uh, spill the seed? Or how often should I indulge in spilling the seed? Or say it in such a way that you could be going either way. You're really asking for advice. Member of the White Lodge will always tell you to practice White Tantra. And the member of a Black Lodge, even if they're pretending to be an angel, they are bound by their programming. They are bound by their programming. They can't tell you to do anything but waste the sexual force. They won't tell you to do anything else. They can't tell you to do anything else because they are mechanical. Ultimately, they are mechanical. And they have been programmed to tell you to waste your energy, to spill the seed, because that is their lifeblood. That is what they feed on. That is their source of food. They cannot and they will not ever no member of the Black Lodge will ever instruct you to do White Tantra. It is a complete anathema. It's antithetical to their existence. They cannot utter the words. So, that's how you know. If you have some, if you if you meet an angel, a resplendent being, ascended master, what have you, whatever. You, you, you meet Obi-Wan Kenobi in there. You, you know, you, you meet Gandalf, Gandalf the White, whatever. Say, so, oh, Gandalf, hey, how's it going? Great, great wizard of Middle Earth. Mithrandir, please instruct me on the correct use of Tantra. Should I spill the seed, yes or no? And you will know very quickly what you are dealing with. It's as simple as that. 
And that is the only way that we know of that is guaranteed, that is, that is, uh, that is for certain. There's no other way that we know of where you can test someone who you meet in the astral plane and find out if they're from the White Lodge or the Black Lodge. There's no other way that we know of. No other reliable way. And by the way, the same thing is applicable here on Earth when you're dealing with a guru or somebody claiming to be a master, someone claiming to be enlightened, or someone claiming to have created this body or that body or whatever, say, oh, how did you create those bodies? And they tell you, well, we did this, we did that, we did blah, blah, blah. I had a kundalini awakening or I had a this or I went to an instructor and I gave them money and they gave they raised my way. Well, it's all nonsense because if they didn't do white tantra, they didn't create jack shit. Okay, coming back uh, to a few quick uh, chats here. Hermes Tree says, another beautiful channel with Gregorian and Gnostic chants I have found helpful is, and the link is, on the screen, youtube.com slash at Patrick Link Music. Well, thank you for sharing that. As Azul says, an old Nordic tradition is to sing the entire runic alphabet nine times. <laughs> we suspect that takes a while. Um, and we suspect that you have to be able to sing it in the original Nordic, um, we somehow doubt singing the alphabet song in, Eng in English is going to have the same effect. Um, and as Azza says, yeah, don't invert it. Uh, he's speaking of the pentagram here. Don't invert it, basically. Uh, there's a reason why people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, haven't seen Gandalf in the astral plane. Uh, well, no, I haven't either, but I'm just saying. You never know. Some, in the same way that your divine mother will appear to you in whatever form you need her to appear to you, in the same way a demon will appear to you in whatever form they know is going to be most seductive, most endearing to you if that makes any sense so if you're really into lord of the rings well hell yeah why wouldn't a demon appear to you as gandalf oh, oh my god and, so, and then he would say oh well i'm i'm the master so-and-so i'm i've just assumed this form because i know that you can relate to it or this is how you see wizards And then they'll start reaming off a whole bunch of, you know, BS and stuff for you to do and stuff for you to believe. And, and, and they'll start their seduction. They'll start their temptation. They'll start their, their scam. But it's all, this is all part of the, uh, their process. And there is no limit. There's no limit to the ways in which they, uh, they come after us. And we haven't even begun to talk about remote attacks and black magic spells and all sorts of other stuff. Now, 
The reason why we don't dwell on that is because that requires, you know, black magicians to actually know you and to be able to target you and target you from afar and this and that. And so the problem with that and getting into that is it's number one, it's, it's fairly rare. It doesn't say that not to say that, that it doesn't happen. It does happen. But <clears throat> if you have the prayers of protection, if you have the microcosmic star and so on, and, and you, you do them on a regular basis and you recite them and you recite them with meaning and you recite them with, with fervor, with love from your heart, then you empower them, these prayers and these mantras, uh, to, to be more powerful. Um, generally speaking, you'll be okay. The reason why we don't focus on these types of attacks of the Black Lodge is because it is too easy for individuals to get it into their head that when they're feeling down or they're feeling depressed or they have no energy or whatever, oh my God, it must be a black magician casting spells on me. It must be, I must be at being attacked by black magicians or demons are attacking me. And, and all of a sudden, it's way too easy for the ego to externalize everything and now suddenly become a victim and, and not realize that there's something inside of you that's screwing with you or you're just being lazy or you're not eating right or you're not sleeping enough or you're abusing yourself in some other way. You're watching you know, you're, you're, you're not transforming impressions or you're taking in negative impressions. You're watching, you know, uh, I don't know, ultraviolet movies or, or you're watching like videos or movies that have all kinds of swearing and sex and all kinds of violence and things like that. And, and of course you're taking in all that junk food, literally junk food for your consciousness. And then you feel terrible, uh, afterwards and then, and then instead of recognizing the mistakes that you made, you're going to blame the Black Lodge. You're going to blame some mysterious black magician somewhere who must be casting spells on you, right? That's why in this, in this session, in this live stream, we didn't focus on that aspect because those to us do not qualify as a scam, okay? You're not being swindled there. You're not being scammed there. If someone attacks you from afar... If someone lobs a grenade into your backyard, they're not trying to scam you. They're trying to blow you up with a grenade. It's a very different experience. And it's not, it's not like you are being uh, trying to be taken advantage of and trying to be swindled and trying to be... Uh, yes, you're not trying to be scammed. So they're not trying to seduce you. They're not trying to tempt you. They're not laying a trap for you to fall into of your own accord. So there's many other ways that the Black Lodge attacks us, but they are in a different category than, than what we were um, speaking about today. That's right, Azazel. It's an outright, it's an outright attack. And an outright attack is not the same as someone trying to... Uh, gain your confidence and seduce you and tempt you, etc. Right? It's a, no, they're just gonna they're gonna come and outright attack you. And sometimes you experience that on the astral plane. We've experienced that. Of course, depending on the demon that you're dealing with, they might not face you face to face. Sometimes they jump you, they ambush you. Um, so again, you you want to be prepared. You want to make sure 
that you study this that you study this course right don't don't put this off any longer the than you than you can um you know don't put it off at all <clears throat> and learn the prayers memorize them uh, the more the further you get the more progress you make the more invaluable these prayers and mantras of protection will become trust us if you're making progress someone or something somewhere along the line is going to take notice of that and they and you are, you are going to be tested they are going to try to take you down a notch and it might be as as Azul says here it might be an outright attack so remember you can always ask your divine mother to send you your weapons when you are on the astral plane and then you can defend yourself and that may mean you know, using a sword and a shield in the astral plane. Luckily, you won't have your physical, you don't have your physical body to limit you or impede you. And invariably, you want to be sure that you pray and you ask your innermost being, your divine mother, to assist you and to help you and to guide your sword. In 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 those cases, in any event. Hermes Trees asks, do you have any tips on use of the in, uh, uh, invocation of Solomon? Um, well, there are two lectures on the subject. Let's make this bigger. Okay, there's, there's two, no, no less than two lectures on this. So, in answer to your question, yes, uh, but we don't want to sell it short by giving you some trite, simple answer as to how we use the Invocation of Solomon. So the Invocation of Solomon is not, it's something that we would use as we prepare to do uh, some spiritual practice. So if we're preparing to do runes, or if we're preparing to do mantra, you can you can use it when you prepare to do meditation, or you can use it when you're preparing to go to sleep. Um, but again, that's the trite, simple TLDR answer. And I think you 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 sense from us our trepidation and even revealing that much to you, right? Because we don't want you to, yeah, exactly. We don't want you to cheat. Go, go do the course. And then, and then allow your own innermost, allow your own inner intuition to guide you. If not the Gnostic instructors of, of the course to, to, to give you suggestions. But once you learn the meaning of the invocation of Solomon and, and its significance, its relation, for example, to the tree of life, and we are, all of us, a living, breathing, pulsating tree of life, well, then the invocation of Solomon takes on an entirely different complexion, entirely different uh, texture. Yes, it's a prayer of protection. The invocation of Solomon it's a prayer of protection, but how does it protect exactly? Well, 
uh, let's see, hopefully, there it is. Solomon was the one who built the temple. This is our temple. The invocation of Solomon, well, actually, really the builder of the temple was Hiram Abif, if you want to believe the, the basins, but the, but the, it's King Solomon's temple, right? So the invocation of Solomon, and remember, Solomon is a, an esoteric name, meaning it's symbolic. It's not, it's Solomon. Sol means son. Oman, it's, it's Oman is, so it's, it's a Christified man. Sol Oman. And Oman and Amen, there's a relationship there, but it's Solomon. The temple of Solomon is the temple of man. And Saul, meaning son, is Luke's. That's why uh, Delubitz called his book on the Temple of Luxor the Temple of Man. Because any temple of light is a temple of Solomon, is a temple of a solar man, Christified man, or a man that is being prepared for Christification. So, the invocation of Solomon, and when you read the, the prayer, when you learn the prayer, and you discover all of the, all of the um, references to the Sephirah of the Tree of Life, you realize that the invocation of Solomon, you're not invoking some ancient Hebrew king. No, you're not invoking the... No. You are expressing to the Logos the deep longing that you have to become a solar man. And you are invoking all of those... Um, a, the, the, the aeons which are the, the Sephiroth of the Tree of Life. You are invoking them, and you are asserting them. You are, to use a New Age term, right? You are affirming them. But you're doing so in a metaphysically, in a metaphysical scientific way, using an invocation, a prayer, that was prepared and written scientifically to do so. Look, and you can see just how we're scrolling through the lecture, how in-depth and how elaborate a prayer this is. <laughs> I mean, this is this is just part one on this prayer. So there is so much in there. And as you can see, there's so much in the tree of life, right? There's so many different aspects to it. We just talked about, we were just were dealing with the four wor worlds earlier. Now we're dealing with um, um, uh, the tree of life is priesthood. Because the solar man is a priest of the Logos. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. So, so um, you know, uh, here we go. There's an image. 
There's one for you. Right? If that's if that image is not invoking in your own mind, uh, uh, if that image is not the essence of Solomon's temple, the temple of the solar man, I don't know if you can see this, there's a tiny little man at the top of that temple. <laughs> right? And that's Tonatiu. That's Tonatiu at the center of the uh, the Aztec calendar. Um, that's that face with the tongue sticking out. That's Tonatiu. And, um, well, there's too much to, you know, again, you see, real prayer, real prayers are not some rote thing that you just rhyme off. They are, they are hugely pregnant. They are, they are flush and voluptuous and packed and pregnant with meaning. And each and every time you recite the prayer from your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your energy and your intensity, you are giving birth to all that resides in potentiality, in stasis, inside of that prayer. And when you, when you speak the prayer, when, whether it's internally or out loud, because you can pray internally in your mind, or out loud, but it doesn't matter. You embody all of your, your, your intensity, your emotion, your heart, your soul. When you speak that prayer, it's a magic spell. And you are giving birth. All that meaning, all that, all that truth that's packed in, that's encoded esoterically, metaphysically into those words. As you chant that invocation, you are casting that spell. And all the potentiality in that spell spills out. It gives birth into the world in the same way that this little guy on top of this temple is invoking the Christ, this, the, 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 the whole firmament here with Tonatiu in its center. That's, again, from the Aztec tradition. Right? He's, it's like that's what's happening is he's invoking Solomon here. Atop his temple, his little pyramid here now is now the Temple of Solomon. Why? He's the solar man. It's always, every temple like this is always a temple of the sun. Because it's always a temple of Christ. The Logos. Because it is from the, the, it's from the Logos that we receive the light and the fire. And the fire of fires and the light of lights. As Azil says, it is practically as effective as your understanding of it. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't, that's right. If you don't know what you're saying, it still has some power, but you're right. It doesn't near it doesn't have nearly as much uh power or efficacy as when you not only understand it, but you you feel it, you respect it, you are honoring it, you are speaking the words with the respect, dignity, power, authority, and 
and devotion that they deserve because it's not the words themselves but what the words lead to point to what the words invoke you see so the reason why people rhyme off prayer like like machines bang 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 well they, they sit down to do a rosary and they're like okay how fast can I get through this rosary? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, right? And they're doing one beat, or they're doing those prayer beads, and you see people doing prayer beads, and they're going through those prayer beads like like it's like they're a machine, right? And they're just chanting and just you know whatever, right? Okay, there's some power to that. There's some something in that. There's something going on there for sure, but that is slipping into idolatry right into believing that the power is in the statue that the power is in the symbol that the power is in the painting that the power that god is in the stained glass window or god is hanging on 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 that god is in the cross in the wood that the cross is carved out of that's called idolatry people get caught up in the superficiality of the rites and the rituals, right? Holy Eucharist or Holy Unction, as the agnostics call it, right? It's not about taking a, a wafer from a priest on Sunday. That's not what it's about. And it's also not about eating the body or flesh of a man, which is what so many people who say that Christians are a death cult and, and Christians are a, are, are a cult that, that, that eat the flesh of, uh, of their prophet and whatever. Like it's, it's, it's so super, it's, it's being caught up in idolatry. That's being caught up in the letter of the law instead of honoring the spirit of the law. So when you say any prayer, when you say any prayer, yes, you must say the words, but honor the spirit of the words. Don't be satisfied with just the letter of the words or even just the meaning of those words as you understand them. Even your understanding of those words will limit you. You must go beyond a literal understanding or a rational understanding and feel into it and get into that space of the spirit of the words. In other words, the spirit behind the words. The spirit that gave birth to those words and the spirit that you are giving birth to by repeating those words. That is an invocation. That is the, it's a, it's a, that's what a magic spell is. On this side, it's just a scroll. Right? If you if you know what magic scrolls are in role-playing games and in Dungeons and Dragons and Fantasy and so on and so forth, it's just a magic scroll, right? Just a scroll with some words on it. But you take those that scroll and you read those words, and out of that scroll comes this magic. And all of that magic 
was in on the other side of that page, which you can't see because it's in the internal worlds. And that scroll is a portal and you read that scroll and it opens the portal. That's what these prayers are. That's what invocations are. They're opening portals. And what comes out of, what's born out of that portal is precisely that which is in the internal worlds and you are and you are bringing it to life and you are asserting it affirming it putting it into activity into acti- activation for protection for and for strength and for support and for assistance for guidance so the invocation of solomon especially right the solar man but the solomon temple of solomon Solomon's temple, the temple of the solar man. The body is a temple. And within us is the tree of life. The tree of life is inside of us. Okay. Yeah, we... we, we don't want to give anything away that's in the lecture. <laughs> We've already given some things away, but anyway, regardless, regardless. Um, do you guys have any more questions or comments? Because uh, we're getting on, well, it's three and three quarter hours now. So, so anybody have any other questions or comments? Uh, we realize that uh, maybe we we didn't share the link to come on. If somebody wants to come on and share an experience of being scammed <clears throat> or uh, share an experience of, um, of being tempted, being approached, people trying to scam you, spiritual scams, um, by all means, pop online. There's the link. And uh, and share your story, share your story of who they were, what they or you know who they claimed to be, what they promised, what they said they were going to do or not going to do. And um, and yeah, we'd be I think uh, we we would be happy to um, to hear your story, or just ask a question or do whatever. To, and uh, Asazo says maybe another time because it's late. Yes, it's late. Yeah, it's late for everybody in Europe for sure. And uh, Hermes uh, Trees says, it makes sense why I resonate with that on the Glorian channel. Oh, okay. Well, good, good. If you, it, it's good then, good then. It's, if you haven't read, if you haven't read or listened to the lecture, now you know why you need to do that. Because if you resonate with all that, then, then, there's probably something in there for you that you haven't yet discovered. So, so I'll tell you what, we'll give you guys and ladies uh, another minute or so if you have any questions or comments 
Um, we'll give you another minute to to uh, feverishly and frantically type them out. Um, this is a this is a it's a big topic, and um, and we have to be practical. We don't have to be afraid. This we did not. Uh, do today's live stream as an invitation to become paranoid or to begin uh, begin going through your life looking over your shoulder uh, all the time. That was not the that's not the point. The point is to make sure that we are aware at all times and that we do not become complacent. And do we not allow our good nature to lead to naivete? And that we not allow our uh, mystic pride to lead to uh, taking certain things for granted? Or the fact that, well, I've never been attacked. No one has ever attacked me. I've never been attacked in the astral plane. I've never, nobody from the Illuminati has ever contacted me. I don't, I don't have to worry about this. Clearly, they're not interested in me because I've never experienced anything that he's talking about. Well, um, not yet you haven't, or not that you know of. We all have targets on our back, and frankly, Again, the further we progress on the path, the more likely it is that we are going to be tested. We are going to be confronted. We are going to face temptation. We are going to face seduction. We are going to face coercion. And when we face those adversaries, we will be expected to respond appropriately. And if you can't, it's because you weren't prepared. And we do not wish that upon you. We do not wish upon anybody to be ill-prepared for the inevitable. Hermes Trees says, Fear is the mind killer, and there is nothing to be afraid of, especially since you have given us an explanation of how to defend oneself. Um, there, 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 exactly. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's just, it's the same thing. You don't put your seatbelt on in the car because you're afraid. You probably drive around fine and you're not afraid, but you put your seatbelt on and you use your turn signals and you do shoulder checks. Why? Because you're afraid? No, because you want to be aware. Because you are aware that there's a possibility of danger coming in your blind spot. So you look, you are aware that there's there's possibility, there's always a possibility of a danger when you're approaching an intersection that someone's going to uh, um, uh, run the red light. You're not afraid, but you're aware, you're conscious, you're cognizant. This is the important part. Let have live streams like this one expand your cognizance and and tweak your consciousness 
to say, ah, okay, I need to be, I need to be more watchful and I need to more, I need to be um, prepared for the possibility. And that when I'm in the astral plane, <clears throat> not everything it may be as it appears to be. And also that I cannot just willy-nilly rely on wh whatever level I'm at to save me at every time and say, oh, I don't have to worry about that. No demon's going to get the, no demon's going to pull a fast one on me. I can see through them. I can read people really well. I can see energy. I can see this. I can see that. Blah, 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 blah. It is that kind of arrogance and mystic pride that is just begging to be tested. And you know how many people with that kind of attitude are stuck in the new age and teaching black magic and are masters of black tantra now because they had that attitude? So many that you couldn't even count them. But they're out there. They're on, they're on Twitter and they're on Facebook and they're on uh, YouTube and they're on, uh, they have their own websites. And you can go and take their courses and take their workshops and go to their retreats and pay them thousands and thousands of dollars. And they're happy to take your money to so-called awaken your kundalini and teach you how to have super powerful orgasms that are going to make you superstar star, star seeds and awaken masters and all kinds of nonsense. All those people, all of them, every single last one fell for a spiritual scam. And now they are a useful idiot of the Black Lodge. So no, it's not about fear. And it's not about anger. Because what we are expressing to you isn't anger. It is the severity and the intensity of love. Because we would love to be able to take literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of New Agers and line them up and smack them across the face and say, wake up, snap out of it. But we can't, but we can't. Number one, we know that wouldn't be effective. It might be effective for a few. But number two, we physically, it's, it's, that's not proper, that's not correct. <laughs> no matter how badly we might want to do that for their sake, But this is this, this, these, the spiritual scams, the Black Lodge, this is their job, this is their purpose. They are very, 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 very good at it. And rest assured that the Black Lodge, who, is, who have been doing this for thousands of years, and before that, millennia upon millennia upon millennia upon millennia, they are much better at tempting and seducing and conning, and tricking, and trapping, and imprisoning, and enslaving us than we are at identifying them and seeing through their scams. Rest assured, it's just—it's this—it's like the same thing when we when we relate egos to malware. And if you guys know anything about internet security. Okay, 
if you guys know anything about internet security, you know that the hackers are always one step ahead of the internet security people. And the people designing firewalls and VPNs and all and internet passwords and all this like double verification validation, all this crap, all this nonsense, these, this, all these like hoops that they make us jump through to get the websites now, the so-called protect us and secure our, our passwords and all that crap. You know, the hackers designing the malware and, and all that stuff, they're, they're, they're 10 steps ahead of the security people. And the Black Lodge are 10 steps ahead of humanity. And they are at least, at least three or four or five steps ahead of us when it comes to their ways of seducing and trapping. So let us not allow our mystic pride to get the best of us. Because therein lies our folly. Therein lies the crux upon which we will trip and fall into the trap. We are our own worst enemies when it comes to this. Con men exploit weaknesses. And, and nothing makes us more weak than our pride, our mystic pride and our arrogance. That is what makes us the, the weakest because that is where they're going to strike. That is the weakness they're going to hone in on and say, I can exploit that. The fact that this guy is arrogant, the fact that this guy is uh, as filled with mystic pride, that's what I'm going for. And all these people who are channeling for such and such this entity and such and such that entity, and they're all useful idiots of the Black Lodge, and they're all spreading false teachings and misinformation and disinformation through the New Age, all of them, all of them are doing that because they all had mystic pride and they all were arrogant and they all had ego-driven spirituality that the demons honed in on and exploited. And they said, oh, I've chosen you, you, my dear, my dear child, you I have chosen from millions. You have chosen you to be my medium, you to be my conduit. You will channel my teaching to the world. Like what person in the new age can resist that? They can't. That's why new age bookshelves are filled with it. So beware your own mystic pride. Because that's what they're going to try to exploit. They're, that's how they're going to try to come at you. And whatever it is that your weakness is, that's how they're going to try to come at you. That's what, how they're going to try to exploit you. Okay, Kamal Manzuki says, I'm kind of curious about how one gets in the astral plane. Meditation? Uh, it's possible. It's possible. There is a type of meditation where you meditation on the Anahat sound, or what some people call tinnitus, the ringing in your ears. Um, if you meditate on that sound long enough, you will begin to hear the sound of a cricket emerging from the tinnitus or from the anahat sound. From the ringing in your ears will emerge uh, what will sound like a cricket chirping. Once the, um, 
once you hear the cricket chirping, turn on your side, on your right hand side. Put your right hand under your head, or you can do this under your pillow, under your head, and put your left hand on your left thigh. And while you are still, while you are still meditating on the sound of the chirping cricket, allow yourself to fall asleep in that meditation. And if you fall asleep, focused on and meditating and listening to the sound of the cricket, there is a very high probability that you will project into the astral plane. Um, that is the only way that we have ever used meditation to project into the astral plane. Now, there are many, many other techniques, but this is, you mentioned meditation specifically, and so we gave you that technique of meditation. However, Uh, not, we do not want you to think that what we just shared with you is the only way or that meditation itself is the only way. So, uh, here we've posted and there it is on screen, the link, and here is the course or the book. Well, it's a course and a book, Astral Projection and Dream Yoga. Uh, the link is on the screen. The link is in the chat and this is the page um on Glorian's website and here's obviously the link is up here as well and um and it's a free online course and um there are uh, there are related books to, but there's what one two three four five six seven eight nine nine lectures in this free um course their article they are a combination of articles and lectures uh i think there's six lectures and then three articles so knock yourself out. We have run out of time. We're at the four hour mark. We can't answer that question in its entirety, in its fullness, Kamal Manzuki. And uh, we're sure you can appreciate and, 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 uh, and understand that uh, where we are at at the four hour mark. But uh, thank you for the question. And we hope that, uh, that our answer will at least send you in the right direction and you can uh, begin exploring it on your own. And the real key here, by the way, is exploring it on your own. That means doing it, trying it, practicing it on your own. Really, um, because that's the that's the only way you're really going to know. If you just read these articles and say, "Oh yeah, well, no, it's it's forget about it," For, you know, forget it. You can't learn astral projection from a book. You learn it by doing it. So that you 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 learn the technique but then you apply the technique and you keep applying the technique and you will fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and go nowhere and get nothing and do nothing and it'll not work and you'll get like oh so frustrated and and uh and and then you'll you'll switch to something else and blah 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 and then if you do that you'll never get anywhere because you will keep you'll you'll try once or twice or three times or four times or five times and fail each time and then you'll get sick and bored of failing and then you'll switch techniques to a different technique and then you'll be on the same treadmill failing and failing and failing and failing you have to keep failing on a technique until it works for you now if you tried it a hundred times and it didn't work 
maybe it's not the right technique for you. Okay, so maybe then you can, you know, consider another technique or try multiple different techniques. So learn multiple different techniques and have a sequence. So first I try this. If that didn't work, then I'll switch to this. If that didn't work, I didn't switch to this. Okay, then I'll go to sleep. And each night you'll have one or two or three different, very different techniques that you can try to do and see maybe one of them you'll be successful with. And, but it really is, this is like riding a bicycle, right? You got to get up on that thing and, and start, and there are no training wheels and you'll fall down and you'll fall over and you'll skin your knee and you'll get frustrated. And then you got to get up and get back on the horse and do it again. So that's what astral projection is, unfortunately. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. But if you pray to your divine mother, and if you do this with real intention and real longing, because you want to awaken and because you want to, and, and not because you want to awaken the astral plane so you can fly around like Superman or go spy on your ex-girlfriend or do something like that. No, don't do that. The first thing you should do, if you do manage to awaken in the astral plane, astral project, ask to see your divine mother or ask to see your innermost being. Ask to see yourself as you truly are. Ask to see yourself as you truly are, your innermost player, your innermost being, your divine mother, one or both of them. And if you pray to her ahead of time, begging her and pleading her that you want to see her, you want to know her in all of her beauty and all of her splendor and all of her wonder, whatever, then there's a good chance that you will receive assistance in your astral projection practice. Anyway, more information in the course. Um, uh, we hope you will. Um, we hope you will make good use of it. Uh, Hermes Tree says, "I have not uh, been to the astral plane the way you describe it. Just meditation and prayer. The best way there. Please explain if there is time." Okay, so Hermes Trees, everything I just said to Kamal Manzuki obviously also applies to what you just asked about. So the link is on, the link was on the screen, it's in the chat, um, and uh, and it's here on screen as well. This is where you wanna start, okay? All right, uh, next, Jennifer Allred says, I relate to what you have shared by an experience I recently had. I had a run-in with someone who claimed to be highly conscious. I didn't see through their deception. They said all the right things, but, at at, but as time went on, realized how much they were caught up in their ego. They were all talk, but their actions showed they were actually very manipulative and controlling, all in the name of, quote, helping me. It took me a while to see that they are actually not very conscious. Today's live stream was helpful. <laughs> we imagine is how you were going to end that. Um, Okay, so here are the, uh, okay, so let me, before we, I, we don't want to, Jennifer, we're not going to brush this off. Thank you for sharing, number one. And number two, uh, your experience that you shared with us right now, uh, it is, it is not uncommon. It is very, very common. We, we were on the receiving end of that. We got catfished. 
And maybe at some point in the future, and we'll have to maybe like agree on a date or something that, that all of us will get together and come online and tell our stories. You know what I mean? Because then we can all share and we can all compare notes and, and whatnot. But we were catfished. And if you know what catfishing is, uh, this woman, like you said, she said all the right things. She told us what we wanted to hear. And she said that, and not only that, talk about arrogance and mystic pride. You know, she said about us, she said, oh, you remind me just like, you remind me like every time you speak or every time that you, you have your post or whatever, I, I don't, you know, I, I hear like Manly P. Hall. You remind me of Manly P. Hall and how Manly P. Hall writes and speaks and all this kind of stuff. Well, holy cow, she wasn't like pulling on the old mystic pride the whole time, right? And uh, and this whole song and dance, right? She got me to actually get on a plane and fly down to Guatemala to be with her, to live with her. And uh, And yeah. Four hours, our story, probably like your story, too long to tell. So we'll save it for another day. Just like Azazel said earlier, he's got a story, but he's going to save it for another day. Um, but yeah, remember, just observing yourself, the demon, the demon very, very rarely comes to you as an enemy, as a villain. <clears throat> the demon always comes to us or very or usually mostly comes to us as a friend with open arms open arms with extending a hand of friendship or extending a rose of romance it's seduction it's temptation they're they're going to charm you right they literally want to charm the pants off you. They wanted to charm their way into my life. They got me to get on a plane and go all the way to Guatemala. And, and you know, and drama ensued. But that's, but that's, that's the nature of the, the, uh, the siren's call. Right? That's the siren's call. That's the hypnotic song that they sing. And they know what to sing. They know how to get to us. They know what buttons to press. Why? Because they've got, they have the same demons inside of them that we do. So they know our weaknesses. And when two, you know how that works in like mathematics, when two negatives come together, they make a positive, right? So when two demons get together, they tag team us. So the person who's seducing us, the demon inside of us, wants us to be seduced. We can't believe that we went, we went four hours on this topic and we didn't touch on this. So Jennifer, thanks to your question, you, you got us to... Maybe we're going to have to do a part two um, uh, and we're going to have to continue this next week because it's really late for some of you in Europe. We're at four hours. Uh, so let's... This is too important to just brush off. So let's agree next week, bring your stories, all the stories you want, any stories of, of, of dealing with people and, and negativity and getting caught into traps and being conned and tricked and scammed and, 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 and people trying to pass themselves off as something that they weren't. Just remember that on all of these scams, anytime someone comes to you 
and they're pushing your buttons. They know your weaknesses. They're going to be exploiting your weaknesses. The cause of your weaknesses, the source of your weaknesses, your own demons, your own egos are going to be conspiring against you. Your own egos are going to be conspiring with the Black Lodge out there. Because there, there is really no out there. It's all in here. That's the thing we have to understand. So if somebody's coming to you, I'm the archangel this, or I'm the archangel that, or some, some man or woman, oh, uh, you know, they're charming the pants off of you and everything else. Remember that your own egos want them to succeed in conning you. Your own egos want you to fall for the con, for the scam. That's a, that's a really tough lesson to learn. That's a really bitter pill to swallow, but that's the truth. Okay. Uh, Kamal Manzuki gave us a thumbs up on the course and everything else. And Benjamin says, thank you, sir, for today's live stream. It is full of very useful knowledge. I have to rewatch it because I was late joining. That's okay, Benjamin. Um, uh, we, we made a couple of biblical references for you in your place. How's that? <laughs> Listen, thank you, one and all, everyone. Um, we know it was a long one. Um, let's let's agree next week. Uh, let's make it next week that uh, we come to share um, experiences, good or bad, but mostly let's let's try to focus on what was thematic, and um, and let's um, let's share those experiences with one another that we think that others can learn from, so that. We share those experiences so that others might benefit from the mistakes that we made and what we learned from those experiences so that others can so others can can again benefit and maybe avoid those those uh, those pitfalls that we found ourselves falling into. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for sticking it out the four hours. We know it, it's it's very long, but this is a big and deep topic and it's a wide ranging topic and it affects so many people and they don't realize it they're they're naive and they're ignorant they, they 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 turn a blind eye to the truth and the truth is we are all here playing a game of chess we play that chess again that game of chess against our adversary our individual shaitan now shaitan is our opponent he's not our enemy but on the board the pieces move with ruthless efficiency and they are relentless in their pursuit. Like Kyle Reese tells Sarah Connor, it can't be negotiated with. It has no empathy. It does not fear and it will not stop until it kills your progress on the path. Hopefully we'll see you all next week. And until then, as always, we say inverential peace. God bless everyone.